right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here, DJ Pie here in the Kill House. Hello, DJ. Hello, Solly. Great to be with you. Cody McBride calling in here. He spent the week out at the U.S. Women's Open. Hello, Cody. Hello, friends. And his last ever podcast with us before he goes and joins the Live Tour, the YouTube series that will be Live Golf. They wanted the best YouTube uh, color commentator in the game, and they got him. Big Randy. Hello, Big. Yeah, you blindsided me a little bit with that announcement. I was hoping to... You know, it was getting ready to break, man. We had to get out in front of it. Nobody's nobody's going to buy this. This is the least uh, the least sellable bit ever. We could have come up with a million a million more sellable bits, dude. All of hope, the ones that I, I thought of been to talk so, about it Monday in detail, but the ones that I thought have been so obvious, like people have followed for. I really thought people were going to bite on this one. So many people are like, "Oh, you'd do it for thirty million this week." I thought I thought they would see. I knew these guys were sellouts. I knew it. I knew it. Big Randy was talking a couple weeks ago about how he thought the, the players should have options. He, f- he fell into it. But listen, we got plenty to cover this week, most of which you're probably familiar with. One event you may not have heard about, this week's Florida Junior Tour 54-hole major at Champions Gate. I bet you didn't know about this, Deej. Uh, I didn't. But a big Champions Gate guy back in my days in Orlando, though. The event was won by Misha Golod, a Ukrainian teenager brought to the U.S. a few months ago by the combined efforts of Joel Beal from Golf Digest, Jim Nugent of uh, Global Golf Post, David Ledbetter and his academy, and contributions from everyday golfers. Callaway would like to congratulate me. Don't forget your role in this also when he was on the broadcast at uh, the players and you accidentally <laughs> took true. up the whole frame <laughs> and then you dropped down to your knees to get off the TV screen. I don't so want to be on TV. You were there for the ride as well. Shout out to, to your role in bringing Misha over here to the United States. Callaway and myself would like to <laughs> congratulate Misha on his impressive win. Uh, quick look in Misha's bag, a rogue ST Max driver and matching fairway woods, a set of eight Apex irons and jaws wedges, an Odyssey tri-hot, 5K number two putter, and a chrome soft X golf ball. Misha's got an amazing story. Hopefully we hear more about him in the future. We encourage you to take a read uh, of Joel Beal's work about him in Golf Digest and in our local Naples uh, Daily News, which that article is circulating out there as well. So congrats to Misha. That's fantastic. The Minji Lee Stripe Show. She's here. I, this is this is like the most, like, the, the very, like, the Neil Schuster, it all becomes clear to me after the fact, like, like, 18 holes into this was like, how do we, how do anybody but TC miss uh, Menji Lee winning the U.S. Women's Open? Yeah, that's a tough one. Codeman, happy to have you. Practically a home game for you out there at Very Pine much. Needles. Two minutes down the road, happy to go out there every day this week. It started out really, really hot, and I'm happy that it kind of cooled down by the weekend. The wind picked up a little bit, but it was awesome to see. What was the highlight of, of what you saw this week? I mean, I, I honestly don't even know where to start in true TC fashion. It How could do you be pick just a lot, of, lot exactly. of ways you could go. Extremely low scores that I was not expecting on Thursday. And then you kind of see them. It's disgusting. Yeah, you, you see the course picking up steam. Things starting to bake out a little bit. Only two rounds under par today. So I think, you know, we can have a, a course conversation and set up conversation later on in the podcast. But overall, I mean, two rounds on Sunday under par, not bad. Highlights, though, obviously seeing Rose make the cut. Huge supporter there. Everybody else, I, I think it's funny because she was in Thursday, Friday, falling like this absolute stud grouping of like Nelly and Danielle 
And I mean, her galleries at times were were matching theirs. So I, I don't know if it was a no laying up bump, but the pride of, uh, as, as we call them, the first flight roost was out gallantly supporting Rose all the way. So excited to see her make the cut. That's that's heartwarming, heartwarming stuff. Love hearing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Let me let me just real quick, I want to put this on the agenda so we don't forget to put it, uh, come back to it. I want to hear in detail about you uh, bringing your young daughters out to the golf course because that seemed like an absolute just roller coaster of the most heartwarming stuff you could do, the most hellish way to, to spend an afternoon. I really want to loop back for some details on that after we get through the actual competitive golf. We'll, we'll write that one down. What, honestly, the highlight of me is how far some of these ladies absolutely bomb the golf ball, and then others kind of just get it out there. But overall, everybody is like center cut of the fairway. Everybody hits the center of a green, and you just it turns into a putting competition. And when the greens were not too, you know, not baked out yet and not really rolling at the speeds that they wanted to on Thursday, Friday, and probably morning on Saturday, everybody was making putts and then kind of Saturday afternoon to today, people got exposed from it. But overall from a hometown guy, I think pine needles, it, it, it lived up to what we thought it was going to be. You know, we didn't think that it was going to be an even, even round total. Um, you know, anybody can go out there and score. It's not that long. It's not that difficult. There's plenty of grass. Uh, and there's not a lot that's going to jump up and bite you unless they put pins directly on ridges, which, they didn't really do. So overall, amazing week. Could not be prouder of the community for uh, showing up. Southern Pines, not Pinehurst, Southern Pines. <laughs> not bitter at all with it, with that one, I, I can tell. But for, for the listeners that maybe are not as familiar, uh, Minji Lee won uh, the Cognizant Founders Cup just a few weeks ago, uh, about the second week of May. She was uh, out in front of that one and closed the door on that one. And then a few weeks later, turns up and gets way out in front. I, just playing that long with that big of a lead is got to be exhausting in terms of the shots that are required and the safety that's required and the, oh, shit, it's going to look really bad if I screw this up now that's required. And there was just, like, none of that. It was low-key kind of boring to watch just because she was so far out in front and just showing no signs of weakness. She made a couple bogeys today, but at no point did it feel like it was under threat even for, for a little bit. And uh, won the Avion last year, so this is her second major championship and well, that's up for debate. That's true. Avion's on this podcast, major. we've kind of gone back and forth on whether we recognize that as a major or not. So it's good to see her. It's a fake major. Kind of close this, you know, <laughs> it, really secure the the deal by winning today. It truly depends on who wins that tournament. For whether sure. we count it as a major. Exactly. It's kind of like the John Deere Classic. I think <laughs> it, it's kind of like a, a a like a men's major that's won at a bad venue that doesn't count as a yeah. full one. But if you win a second one, it validates exactly. it. That's so, what I'm saying. That's yeah. true. Today was a big day. Yeah. So she, it's a and total she got paid, rollover, rollover know, effort. Essentially got paid for two majors today as well. Anyway, yeah. She went from a half major today to now she has two majors, yes. I think is the, the fair way to state that one. But you know, I was on the back of the range watching her warm up and it she did not look really like comfortable. Mm. And surprisingly, like Lydia was like striping everything. Like as soon as she stepped on the practice putting green, her speed was dialed. She was holding everything. Her mom was excited about it. I was like, wow, this is going to be a, a Lydia day. She's she's coming. And then, honestly, like seven minutes into Minji's round when she striped that wood <laughs> onto the first green, I was like, oh, man, this is just, this is this is done. Like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> Let's just simulate the rest. Coming out and shooting the third best round of the day when you're sleeping on the 54-hole lead, that's not quite the Steve Elkington of shooting the low round on Sunday when you go out 
uh, to win by a lot. But that's a statement. Like, I don't know. I'm very, 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 very impressed. Her and Jin Young-Ko were the only players to not shoot an overpar round at all uh, during this championship. Randy, what are your thoughts? You're, you're the women's golf expert here. Well, certainly no expert. But, yeah, just a culmination of really, really good play for quite a while now for Min Ji. You know, that that Founders Cup event in New Jersey a couple weeks ago was at Upper Montclair, which people were saying was could be a championship golf course. It, it was that type of venue. And so, yeah, I'm like you. I, I think just because she was one of the clear favorites is probably why I stayed away from her. But absolutely no surprise that she won this week. Um, I, I think what's most surprising to me just about Minji Lee and her career. So she's she just turned 26 at the end of May. She's been ranked in the top 10 going back five, four years now, ever since the end of 2018. Obviously, you said this is her second major win. It's her eighth LPGA Tour victory. I, I guess my question for you guys is like, she deserves to be right there with Jin Young Ko, and we'll see when Nelly gets back fully healthy. But it's like, those two and Minji Lee, it's, I mean, that's as good as it gets. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't see her going anywhere. Like she, she has a chance to, to win a lot. It feels like over the next couple of years, which kind of feels like it's, uh, I don't know about due, but kind of ready for, for someone in the women's game to, to step up and kind of end the parody a little bit. Right. I mean, it's, it feels like we're Jin Young Ko has done quite well, a, she has, a I, I mean, more from like a major, yeah, major yeah. championship perspective. Right, it, it's going full NB Park. Yeah, yeah. There, it's been it's been a while. I was just gonna say, like, are we just ignoring like NB isn't that long ago? She hasn't won one since what twenty fifteen? Is that right? That's pretty long ago. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I mean, that's, that's a while ago. Yeah. If that's not long ago, then I don't know what Rory's been. Well, yeah, exactly. What Rory streak is. <laughs> I think there are boys and girls that are entering college that weren't born when NB last won. <laughs> that's true. I hear you though. It, but, it's it's a crowded space, and it's it's hard to like really latch on to. Yeah, and it, it seems tools. like women's golf is in kind of a weird spot where it, I guess it kind of mirrors the the men's game a little bit. But I'm not saying like the depth is not there, but it seems like the the top twenty, top fifteen is like so far and away better than you know the the next crop, right? And to see the next two or three at the top of that really separate even further, I think would be only good for for the game. Capital T, capital G, the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I don't, I, I don't take the LPGA stats quite as gospel yet, but they, they are getting better and just going off strokes gained this year, 2022. And I, I, it probably doesn't even include either this week or at least today. But Minji's like 1.3 shots per round better than the next closest person, uh, strokes gained T to green. Uh, it's 3.46. And I think that's before this event, which so it's only going to get better. I, I mean, I, she is dominating with her her ability to to hit the ball and hit it close. It's it's really impressive. It's it's out of control, really. And that's I mean, the, we don't get to see just with the LPGA tour and the cameras and the lack of cameras that keep up with all the players. Like we don't get to watch a ton of her rounds from beginning to end, but it's like watching it this week was just like, Oh my God, this is automatic ball striker, little two to three yard draw pretty much every time. This was a perfect, perfect golf course for, her. 
And uh, I, I do want to ask you about the setup, Randy. You had you had some some comments, some tweets. You had even tagged in Mike Wan saying to take your take this championship back, Rand, sir. Randy's got that Saudi money now. He's he's a man with <laughs> nothing to lose. You had some issues with the course setup. I did. Yeah. Anytime you look up going into the weekend and there are multiple people at nine under, uh, there's an amateur at, I don't what, what was Ingrid Lindblad, like six. seven, six under going into the weekend. It, it just was a little too soft for me. And they were talking about in the broadcast, they had put some water on the course, which Cody, I, I know it rained some Friday. Was that rain a surprise? I, I'm just wondering why seemingly the, the course like only get spicy by Sunday in these U.S. Opens. I feel like we've seen that a little bit on the men's side too, so it's not unique to the women. I, I just wish it was more of a four-day like grind. Like Let's make it spicy from the very beginning. I, I miss those types of U.S. Opens. Yeah, I I honestly, I agree with you. I thought it was going to be, the greens were going to be a lot more firmer. They're going to be a lot more faster throughout the entire week, and that that just wasn't how they set it up. And I don't know why the USGA decided to go through that route. You're right. And when we mentioned the last couple of US Opens, that's, they've kind of gone down the same path. But it just, that's just kind of how it was. It's not like they're afraid of losing the greens. I mean, in honestly, pine needles later in the summer, the greens are harder and faster than they were this week when the ladies were playing it. So I don't, I, there's no concern there. And, and I don't think from like an actual golf course standing up to it, um, there, there was a threat of like losing the course there. I just think that's how they decided to, to play it. Uh, Friday night got a little bit of rain, but honestly, it was like one of those weird early summer North Carolina rains where it just drops enough to kind of like stick on the grass and just cool it off. It, mm -hmm. it didn't actually like penetrate anything. It's been abnormally hot, but again, like there's nothing that happened that there was a chance of losing the golf course or getting too baked out. So I don't know. I'm the same. Uh, same spot you are, Mr. Juan. Please provide please, us some. Please, Mr. Mr. Mike, please give us our national open back. I think they've they've really lost, and this is of course kind of a bit, but kind of serious as it's coming out of my mouth. I think they've lost the will to embarrass the players, Randy. Yeah. And that that's that's yeah. unfortunate because I think that that's kind of what we're what I won't say we. I think that's what you were looking for is a little bit more of what Cody was talking about. Pins on diabolical slopes. I feel like they've kind of pushed it with eighteen today. It looked like I, I was kind of watching out of the corner of my eye while I was doing a bunch of live golf stuff, but uh, it felt like felt like that was the one that was kind of like okay, that could get away from some players, and we could have some you know some real heartache if if something yeah, but dude, uh, you're does get close. A wedge into it, sure, yeah, exactly, and that that's where I think it just wasn't quite there. I will say I, I feel like I say this a lot uh, on our major championship pods, but I'm a massive fan of you know I, I like when it gets progressively harder. And, and it seemed like from a distance, I, I got you. I wish it was a bit a little spicier rounds one and two, but I was like, as long as as long as Sunday is a very very like the hardest test, I think that's good. And it was it was very clear watching like the harder it got, the more Minji Lee was going to win by, which I think is yeah. you know deserving of a champion. I I very rarely say this, but I it felt like they had more room to go lengthwise. In the, in the championship, it did not play very long. Just with fairways that wide and, and rolling out as much as they were, it uh, those greens can play a lot differently when those shots are coming in at at you know hybrid trajectory than they were wedges on on a lot of the holes, right? So that was that was kind of my thing. It was just like they're just so freaking good with their short irons that 
what can look very di- or what is actually diabolical can look rather pedestrian. And I know that today was tough, and there was only two hundred par rounds, and it involved scores kind of going backwards. But I just think it's a good championship still when you know you had the winner at thirteen under, and then fourth place was six under. So it is like. It is. It, it kind of skews things a little bit to look at the very top and see low scores, but like two under par was good enough for T eighth, right? And only thirteen players broke par in the championship. And I, I I would prefer to watch that style than like last year at Olympic, which was just thick rough everywhere and protected scoring and par a lot, but it was not very entertaining golf. I didn't think. Now at the same time, I thought. Pine Needles was going to have maybe a little bit more spice around the greens and kind of more ejections and rejections and things that we actually got. But, uh, again, I think that can kind of go back to not being set up that long. And I think you should level set too, Randy, because I don't think Pebble's going to be – I don't think that's going to have a lot of teeth in July. No, the Woodland U.S. Open was a disgrace. I will say the only thing about Olympic last year with that setup was, you know, Lexi had a five-shot lead with eight to play and and blew it, and we got the three-way playoff, I believe. Um so a lot of that them. had nothing to do with that golf course. No, for sure, for <laughs> sure. But when when the rough and when like when you the want, course you is kind of on everywhere? edge, when when well, no, I mean just when people start to get nervous and you're trying to close out a tournament, it just makes any squirrely shot uh you know, you just get penalized over and over for that. So I I don't know. I I I have no problem with pine needles. I think to your point DJ with with the wide fairways and and the driving accuracy, you know, the, the main defense was always going to be those greens. And and I just would have liked to have seen them a little firmer, a little faster, maybe put the pins in some dicier locations throughout the week uh, as that was the main defense. But, you know, that's I, I think Minji Lee was going to win no matter what. Like, I don't think it right. had a, anything to do with the outcome. Mina Haragai uh, with a million-dollar runner-up finish, her first ever top 10 in a major in 47 major championship starts. Probably a good week to do that, I would think. <laughs> like historically, the best week in the history ever. of women's golf to do that. <laughs> she had $2.9 million in career earnings over a very lengthy, prof- not very lengthy, over, over a 10-year professional career uh, that she now pr- surpassed a million dollars with this one. She hung... Really, really tough. Was never going to catch Minji, but like there was a, a lot, a lot, a lot to play for. She f- shot a final round seventy two uh, to win the uh, second place million dollar check. But um, she, uh, yeah, she she hung in there. I way better than maybe I was expecting. Got a good laugh out of her tweet Thursday. Quote: "Jobs not finished." Uh, Kobe Bryant. I, I thought, yeah, maybe we tweet that Saturday night. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a Thursday night tweet. That was a bit odd, but I respect it. Yeah, I thought it was finished until she tweeted that. And I was like, oh, gosh, you're right. That's right. There are 54 holes left to play. Uh, I, I, I feel like I mentioned this many times at the Solheim Cup, but I always get a very pinch-me kick out of uh, anytime Mina is on, on TV is I, I used to park carts at Weaver Ridge Golf Club with uh, her fiancé, Travis Kreider. I used to cover his basketball games uh, when he was at Brimfield High School for the Peak and Daily Times. Uh, and just I remember like we obviously kind of lost touch after college, but – yeah, looking up following a uh, following like some LPJ tournament a couple years ago, seeing him on the bag, like holy shit, uh, and just the the more that he is, you know, they've kind of their career is really starting to rise, and her getting picked for the Solheim Cup last year it was the first time I'd seen him in like ten or twelve years, so it's uh, very cool to see him uh, on on screen a bunch today. So shout out to both of those guys for uh, an excellent week, and also, you know, we were kind of talking about it a little bit today. I think the Solheim Cup 
pick of hers was was a little controversial. Maybe I I, I think she, you know, certainly yeah. wasn't many people's best favorite option on the board. And so to to back that up and and now kind of do it on another individual stage is is great. Another step, massive step forward. Still searching for her first LPGA victory. I mean, she was she was trying to do the elusive first tour victory as a major. Um, so I think that would be the next big step for uh, for Mina. I don't think I'd uh, quite piece this together for Heejin Choi, who's a, a rookie on the LPGA Tour. That uh, she this is her second top three at the U.S. Women's Open. She was a runner-up as an amateur in 2017 to Sung Hyun Park at at uh, Bedminster. I, I I had not pieced that together. I knew she was I, I knew she was absolutely torn up the Korean LPGA uh, and as as a technically a rookie on the LPGA Tour, but is not a rookie in professional golf. But I, I totally did not know that. She's a rhino out there, the rookie in name only. She's been, yeah. right? <laughs> Jin Young Ko and Lydia Ko, uh, unrelated as noted on the broadcast, uh, shape out the the top five. Anna Norquist, another top uh, top six finish here in another major championship, uh, putting from everywhere, which was fantastic because she that is not a good golf course for her to be for her to be chipping on. But Bronte Law up there too, T six as well. I was floating Shot through the it. world ranking. She's like well outside the top one hundred. I I kind of. Always, oh yeah, pictured her much, uh, much more accomplished or or much hotter than she has been, I guess. But yeah, that'll be a big ways towards moving that up. Nelly coming back four after, months off after, after surgery, great. T eight finish. Uh, Megan Kang T eight as well. And Leona McGuire gets a top ten finish at uh, and tied for eighth. And Ingrid Ingrid Lidblad, amateur shoots us opening round sixty five. Uh, record uh, opening round for an amateur in the U.S. Women's Open. Finishes with 71-71. Tough day today, 76, but a T11 uh, finish for the amateur. Uh, beating a lot of a lot of names out there. Yeah. So it, today did not go very well, but that was a fun story to follow as the week went on. So Kind of weird, you know, I feel like we've done this in kind of the Morikawa, Hovland type of, of comps, but I think they said she's 22. Yeah. She's three years younger than Lydia Ko, which yeah. is like, it's just a little, it's a little different know, in, the, in the women's I was, game. I wanted to get hyped, but it's like, yeah, you're, that's very, very different. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, she's kind of uh, on a little different timeline than a lot of her competitors, but still impressive nonetheless. Very much so. Some big disappointments, I guess, on the flip side. I, I think, obviously, near and dear to our heart, Madeline Sagstrom. God, it seemed um, like it was such a good week for her. Yeah, opening 69 and then just fell apart in round two and missed the cut. Even that opening sixty nine, there was a double and some some bad bogeys in there, and just ah, what so, what could have been. And that's where I like it doesn't didn't really pop on TV, but that was out there, yeah. right? You, you got you got offline out there. It, that was out there, and there was a lot of a, a decent amount of big numbers and big scores put up by some big name players out there. That um, it just didn't feel like there was that safety net there that's with setups that are too soft. Uh, that you can kind of get away with a lot of stuff. That was my feeling. Je- Jessica Korsh shot 81 today. Exactly. <laughs> on, on that note. That's not good. Uh, Patty Tavitanik gets the other one. Tough. There, yeah. she's, she's been scuffling a bit. Um, disappointed miscut for her. I, I think this was uh, a, a season I have high expectations. She can salvage it, but not a good week this week. And again, if we're if we're turning the page on uh, women's major championships, congressional, a, a new look at the uh, the newly renovated congressional uh, end of this month, KPMG Women's PGA Championship, uh, we'll we'll be there and we'll be there as well as we as we have been in, in years past. So looking forward to that one. I, I guess the you know the last thing is with Minji Lee winning her second major, you know 
I, I think we put it to Cody. Cody, what's the over under career majors for Minji? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, three. Wow. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I'm going over. Yeah, now. I'm going to hammer the over, I think. Are we counting Evians as full majors going forward? No, of course. We already talked about that. But going forward, roller, full roller points are not good here. Should we ask Neil what his over? We'll, we'll see if we can get that later. <laughs> we'll, effort, we'll effort that. For okay. <laughs> I got two things. Two people that I pl- I, I've watched a lot this week. Randy, you're going to appreciate this one. Okay. The overall, the the best ball striking from from driver to fairway, getting on the green, the most impressive player I watched all week was Brooke Henderson. Hmm. She cannot putt. I don't know <laughs> what the issue is. She hits the center of every green and, and cannot, like, make anything. It was so impressive to watch her off the tee box. I know she's going through some equipment changes. Just firing all over the place and just couldn't couldn't do anything. Yeah, Cody, she's you know, she and Lexi are they're they're I mean, they're dead. They <laughs> they just come on, I'm trying I'm trying to bring it back. Well I know, I know. It's I'm been sorry. too long for Brooke. She's got too much game. Uh we we just have to win. So we, we gotta declare her finished and Lexi the same way I does anybody do less with more than than Lexi Thompson on the golf course it just is another disappointing week for her super True. disappointing because I feel like she's actually ramped up her game this year her ball striking has gotten somehow even better but I just maybe try putting without the glove like may like maybe effort <laughs> I don't it think it can hurt it cannot hurt yeah. at this point and look it's is it it's it's labor watching that golf swing for 18 holes but oh my gosh, she was in the feature groups, and I, I got to see her play a lot in the early rounds. It was just like, holy shit, man! She hits it so freaking good when she hits it and is leaning like big time for an offline shot. It's like six feet right of the <laughs> hole. Like it is incredible how good at ball striking she is, and just does not get a whole lot out of it. It is rather incredible. Also, just for for those keeping score at home, uh, Brooke Henderson, twenty four years old. So just there's right. a lot of. There's a lot of death watch to watch for the rest of that, of that career. There's still a lot of career left. So that's I'm going to enjoy that, Randy. Thank you for putting that on the on the line. I, I appreciate that. It could be a redemption story. We'll see. It's just I think Canada's got to own it until it happens. <laughs> Cody, what if I told you this? What if I told you Brooke Henderson, according to the KPMG Insights, uh, is 88th going into this week in, in shots gained putting at negative uh, 0.08 per round? And Minji Lee is 148th at negative 1.21 strokes game putting per round. So if I may say on that, that like Minji's numbers being out of control uh, with the strokes gained ball striking and bad with putting, her caddy might be bad at estimating how far away she hits it to the hole. Like that, that's, that's kind of what, how the stats are calculated is the caddy says, the, the, you know, you hit it to this many feet and, and however many putts. And so I'm, I'm guessing it's somewhere in the middle there if I were to, if I were to poke a hole in that. The other one who was crazy impressive was Megan Kagan and her scrambling ability. It was like she would uh, like all these little runoffs and everything. She was so impressive, not just putting, but like all these little pitches and bumps that she was hitting. It was so cool to watch and and obviously drawing a big uh, northeastern crowd out there. Everybody yelling, go, go Celtics, go Sox, you name it uh, <laughs> everywhere she went. By the way, today before her final round, she's like in the fourth from last group, finished her warm up routine, probably eight, 10 minutes early or something like that. And literally was standing there and was like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And just stood there and signed autographs while she's waiting to go 
to the first tee box and every other player who might have been done early is just sitting there with their headphones in like meditating or listening to music still and megan's just on the side like talking to fans cheering it up taking selfies you name it like all about it it was so cool to watch She's trying to grow the game. She's wonderful. You know, she's another interesting one where she is not one on the LPGA yet. Uh, she's been out there quite a few years. For instance, the U.S. Women's Open. This 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 is her uh, fourth top ten in the last five U.S. Women's Opens. So, you know, there's something about when things get a little bit more challenging or or the the U.S. Open style golf that really brings out the best in her. She's got, she's got that Corey Pavin game. Dude, that's a great call. I love that comparison. <laughs> love we, that. We need to effort a uh, follow-up with Jen from Gruder Golf. I think was efforting a uh, a lesson with her dad, with Megan Kane's dad. I was with. Yeah, I don't Lee. know if, if that came I was to, with him all week. I don't know if that came to fruition or not, but we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear how that went. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of the Gruder gang, I had Kiki out with me all weekend, so it was uh, awesome to have Kiki on the ground from Gruder Golf Podcast. Her obviously from Jen, huge Megan Keg fans uh running up to her dad who was like deep in (laughs) concentration mode the entire the entire time from uh from outside the ropes and you know it, it, it was cool to see her perspective from the first major that she's ever attended and and you know it's just different and i say that too and dj your question earlier about having the girls out there with me which turned into a lot bigger effort than i had planned it of course i should have thought through this but i decided to take my my three girls i have twins that are four and then a a three-year-old i decided to take them out on saturday morning before crowds got crazy before it got too hot i figured that if i stock up on water i get them some cookies in the morning wait a couple hours maybe get them some ice cream before i'm gonna run them home for a nap we'd be set and that plan backfired miserably so i was (laughs) trying to play zone defense uh around the putting green one one tee box 18 green and met out of out of control quick so were there any players that they they really resonated with uh no they (laughs) unless unless it was dad daddy i want that daddy i want that (laughs) let's go back in that big tent where all the the hats and shirts were at let's go buy some more gear so it was awesome i think they're very impressed but it's it's a lot for somebody to take in but they held in a lot longer than I thought they did or thought they would have. And, you know, it was it was a ton of fun. I'll have pictures. It, it's, of course, going to be more more to me than it ever will to them. But I got the pictures of Matt. Someday. You never sure. know. You, maybe down the road it might mean more to them hey, than, plant than the they seed. know now. Yeah, exactly. So, No Laying Up is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro Golf, the official rangefinder of NLU. So get your Father's Day savings now with Precision Pro Golf's Father's Day sale. Take the next steps to better golf and more fun on the course by adding a trusted rangefinder to your bag. Until June 19th, get $40 off the recent Best Tech winning R1 Smart Rangefinder or $20 off the Best Value winning NX7 Pro Slope and much more when you shop Precision Pro. Whether it's your first rangefinder or not, they have you covered with industry-leading customer service, free lifetime battery replacements, a 30% trade-in program, and more. Head to precisionprogolf.com or go to their official Amazon store and save up to $40. And if you want to check out the rangefinders or golf speaker in person, head to your local Dick Sporting Goods or Golf Galaxy while supplies last. Swing with confidence, hit more greens, Precision Pro Golf. I, I just want to say one more thing with regards to the the Women's Open. Well wishes to Danielle Kang. I think yeah. that was the other big news story that dropped. Uh, she revealed that she has a tumor on her spine, which just sounds not good at all. Obviously was able to play this week, actually made the cut, which is amazing. 
has been dealing with it though for for a couple months and was just recently diagnosed so she doesn't quite know what it means and and what it means for uh her golf going forward um but all, all the best to her and hopefully you know it, it doesn't impact her golf wise for very long but certainly you know just general life as well amen to that yeah i don't really have anything to add on to that that's sounds horrific but uh hopefully hoping for the best for her so it's probably around this time that we should uh acknowledge the the elephant in the room which is that uh tc hit the winner on in our <laughs> DraftKings picks uh of benji lee on the u.s <laughs> women's open and william ho uh at the memorial and he also had a Max Homa play, which almost won. Do you it, want me to read his message? Sure. He, he uh. said, uh, this was from our, our DraftKings uh, Slack. He said, guys, I'd like to seed any positive words and fluffing of my plays on this evening's pod uh, for an acknowledgement of the immense young talent on the Corn Ferry Tour. Davis Thompson, <laughs> Harry Hall, Andrew Yoon, Young Swede, Vincent Norman, and Will Gordon. Remarkable stuff. TC Vision Fund 2030, looking to the future and paying it forward. And he paid that off with a uh, what looks like a gif of Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, dabbing. Uh, <laughs> was was kind of how he wanted to bring that home. So uh, TC, classy, classy in victory as always. It's uh, it's really incredible. I'm kind of out of words for this one. But uh, my question for the group is, what when we see when when Billy when William Ho gets hot, man, he gets really really freaking hot. So why don't we see it more often? I say this also at the same time, like seven career PGA Tour wins is a lot. It's a lot, lot. It's it's a a lot, lot of hot streaks. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. Ton. I just don't know what to take away from this. Like he, I feel like he is so 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 talented, or gets at the same time gets so much out of his talent. Yet I'm also confused why that number isn't even more than seven. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a great answer for you. I mean, I just. Every time he wins, I'm like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. And every time he doesn't win, I guess you just don't really think about him that much. He's kind of one of those, one of those guys, right? Like, I don't think he's, maybe he's he's kind of changing this, but he doesn't win enough to be a first tier guy, right? And and definitely not enough kind of quote unquote big events. He's eleventh in the world now, though. No, I, it's trust insane. me, I, yeah. I I'm with you. <laughs> like, I'm I'm with you. Every time you see him up there, like, oh fuck, Billy's so good. And then he, but he's one of those guys that can kind of he can kind of sink back into the crowd too, and and I do think his his floor is very high. Still, I mean, he doesn't miss a ton of cuts, right? He's he's usually he's usually around. He's got some of those uh, some of those moil tendencies that that DC <laughs> likes to talk about. But uh, yeah, I don't have a great answer for you other than just every time he wins, I'm kind of a little bit you know in awe of of him. I love watching him play, man. I love watching you- him play. You know who Billy reminds me of? I'm going to throw out a comparison to a, to an older golfer and somebody that I just remember from when I was first watching golf as, in my childhood. You guys remember John Houston? Yes. Of course. Of course, it, record holder guy, at Muirfield Village. The guy, yeah. The guy just would get hot. He makes and tons of birdies. Tons of birdies. How many, without looking, how many, how many PGA Tour victories do you think John Houston had? Seven. Six. Seven. That's wow. exactly right. <laughs> And I think it's the same deal where it's like when, when he's on, he's, he's just fantastic. Now what causes him not to be on the whole the horse at least? I, I don't know. You know, I think some of it's his attitude and just very high strung. It, it seems like, you know, that, that lends itself to peaks and valleys, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get John Houston vibes from him though. I love that. I'll, I'll, I will take that one as well. Billy was like one of my favorite players 
back in like 2011. I think it was like a, a fantasy thing or whatever it was. I just, he was an incredible iron player. He brought a certain level of excitement to it. And I think kind of the more, the further we got along was kind of like, ah, okay, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Yet at the same time, when he does get hot, I really do enjoy watching him play. Totally. I, I think if he, yeah, I, I, gosh, I hesitate to say this because we have seen a lot of the, you know, the the town crier stuff as the shotgun start guys like to like to call him. He seems to have an opinion on literally everything. Which again, as a podcast who continues to say like, please speak your mind, speak your mind. It's it's hard to. I'm not going to call it both ways. I love love hearing from him, but I think, dude, he's he has some it factor to him, right? He's he's fun to watch, and I think if he if he would have timed things a little differently on that twenty what was it twenty fourteen run 2013 2014 2014 when he won the bmw and he won the tour championship if he were to time that into two other wins or or a major or something i mean i think he could have been like a, a pretty bona fide like star on the pj tour i think there would have been a bazillion if billy he, horschel fans if he would have made the Ryder cup team like yes. he should have that year yeah the whole his whole profile probably looks a lot different to I, golf fans i think he almost you could slot him in for like what keegan bradley did in was that 2011? Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when, you know, kind of parlaying that into a great pairing with Phil, and, okay, now he's this Ryder Cup guy, and I felt like that just bought Keegan, like, a good seven, eight, nine years of, like, <laughs> goodwill, right? And, God, that so easily could have been Billy, uh, uh, except for I just think Billy's a way better player, and he's a lot more fun to watch. It's, it, why, it's weird weird how things happen. And I think a lot of it has to be, at least recently, the last couple of years, I, I think it just must ebb and flow with the putter at least a little bit, right? I mean, I think he always hits it pretty good. He always drives it really good. And the weeks he puts it average or better, he, he tends to, you know, be in that top 20-ish. And the weeks he doesn't, he is the rare times he misses the cut. But, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a very interesting case on the PJ Tour. You had a, a quote earlier on our Slack about Horschel never being on a U.S. team being an indictment of the process. I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that. Mm. Sure. And uh, you, mm. pe people have to know, uh, first of all, I don't appreciate you sharing things from our private Slack message wow, okay. willy-nilly. Slack is I a free-flowing free conversation. We don't need to read anything On else. that, I believe <laughs> you also <laughs> said, I look forward to discussing this on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't think you were going to throw my exact <laughs> words at me. I was just trying to save it for the podcast. That's a take I'm still harboring from 2014. But I will never be able to get that out of my head. I remember traveling to all of those playoff events and watching him play a ton of golf in person and just be like, yo, this guy fucking has it. And, yep. like, I don't care. Like, And, again, I, I did say this in Slack, which I'll stand by. A lot of my takes can be debunked pretty easily with, quote, math things. And I'm sure you're going to throw a lot of stats no, at me. No, I'm not. And a I'm lot not. of reasons why course fit and, no, no, you no, know, birdie average and no. all, all that stuff. I'm nope. sure this could be debunked. But Billy, like, low-key has it. And, Randy, shout-out to the eye test. I feel yo, like, I feel like there's just more to it with Billy. And, like, watching the way he wins, I'm like, yo, that guy, put him up against one-on-one -on -one against another player, and he's just going to fucking beat him. He's going to find a way to get it done. And I, I think you say the same thing about Kisner and, and all that stuff, except for, I think, Billy's floor and some of his, you know, some of his, like, tangibles are better than Kisner's. Too. So it just it, – I, I would have signed up – Honestly, I would have signed up for every team event. When he's playing well, when he's not playing well, I still would be like, no, put Billy on the team. There's a bunch of guys I'd kick off instead. DJ, I'll, I'll ride with you. I, I love that take. You know, he's won Zurich twice. That's match a, play? A, and he's won match play, of course. And, he, and he was a fucking baller at the Walker Cup and all the team events he was on in college. 
and he's intense. Yes. Like, it, it looks like it matters to him. He, which he, I, he's I like. the guy, you know what it is? He's the guy, remember when there was a very little, you know, almost, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good politician that was similar, but there was a very small Kevin Na for Ryder Cup uh, contingent that popped up, a bit of a third party run uh, that was going on there for a while. <laughs> And uh, like Billy Horschel is Would the that guy be like the Jill Stein. Yeah, I think so. I think that might be, that might be accurate. Uh, ended up costing the team the victory, I, th- I believe by fracturing the vote. But Billy is, I think the guy that everyone thought Kevin Na was in that conversation. Like, Oh, he's just, he's going to make a ton of birdies. He's going to get under your skin. It's like, no, all the American guys are going to fucking hate Kevin Na, though. And I don't think all like some of the Americans might be a little annoyed with Billy, but I, I don't know, man. I think you would be hard pressed to find a guy who's not going to have a blast playing with Billy Horschel on a Ryder Cup team. I think you will have found no one that rode harder for Billy to be on the like the, the indictment of the process for 2014. Yeah, it's and a, listen, I got ahead of myself on that. Yeah. The process no, has no. been very good recently. Yeah, yes. it, it, you I'm were onto you. it in 14. They, they made the team up way too early. First of all, they picked Tom Watson to be the captain. The whole 2014 thing was a total mess. The, the, the bad thing that came from that was they changed the process and made the Horschel pick. They saved a spot for the week before the Ryder Cup that was like, all right, we're never getting caught with our pants down like that again. We're going to take the hottest guy coming off the tour championship, roll that into the into the Ryder Cup. That, in 2016, became Ryan Moore, who had a great run at the uh, at the tour championship. Billy didn't make the tour championship in 2016. Totally. So he was like kind of, by the time, and that had been two years since that crazy hot run, and he didn't really capture that same magic again. Yeah. And it kind of fell off to a, 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 a the first year of putting the, task force, whatever people have made fun of the most in place of like, we are now setting up a real actual system for making picks and grooming captains and all this. And so once that started, Billy's kind of time in this never really lined up very well for him. And the team was really, really good in 2016. They blew him out. And then 2018, the captain's picks kind of just forced themselves onto the team. Finau kind of being the stretch pick. And he played fantastic in that one. Tiger was an auto pick. Bryson was an auto pick. Phil shouldn't have been picked, but was for like imagine Billy Horschel on that golf course. It would have made Phil so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. And like in hindsight, a mi- like Phil should have resigned from that team <laughs> and the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour at the same time. Shout but out to Jill Stein slash Kevin Dye. Quit, quit talking about my coworker like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then you also go back to twenty twenty one team. Like who are you? Who are you kicking off that team to put Billy Ho on that team? And. The yeah. team, no, like, I get it. I at get a time it. when they needed disruptors on it, Billy, the guy was sitting right there. I yeah. totally agree. The timing just like, did not work out. And what, what a world to have a guy that, and he'll probably make the Presidents Cup team this year, so the stats a little, you know, debunked. But what a world to have a guy that has seven PGA Tour wins that's never played on a team. That's impossible to do. <laughs> Well, they're spread out a lot, so he's not. No, I know it's just it's, it's crazy, and I I would not even say it's a guarantee he's going to make be on the team this year. I mean, it, and I'm I'm trying to vociferously say like he needs to be. Maybe come on, man. He's maybe been, he's been right under the right under the nose, and this is he, I, I don't know. It's fat, uh, especially for the Presidents Cup that they're going to already win by fucking fifteen points for sure. This this is not a bit, but when you just look at like the wins and how we talk about Horschel compared to Finau, who's only won twice. And it was like, he, he was, he's been a lock for some U S Ryder cups. And you know, it's, it's just golf's a golf's a funny game. You're not going to like this, but Finau's better at golf than Billy Horschel. Like, see, that's what, that's a fascinating discussion. Right. What my I book presupposes so. is maybe yeah. he's not. 
I exactly. I just don't think so. Hotter peak <laughs> weeks is different than being better at golf. Like just like better. Uh, yeah, it, mm. it is. It really mm. is. Like, does it pay way better in pro golf and in rankings to have the wins rather than being very consistent? Yes, it does. But gun, gun to your head. Who, who are you taking? Horschel or Finau? If, if your life depends on it. For quail? Probably Finau. This has been an inter- Keep more in interesting. Finau stinks. When Finau was good, this would have been a very interesting conversation. But Finau's right. not that good. Like right now, yeah, I'm going to take Billy Ho. Like I'm not. I've not been riding for Finau's recent performance. My problem is when he finishes T2 and when he finishes T40, you think that's the same thing, and that's where that's where we differ <laughs> on a lot of this stuff. So and, and listen, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Do you think Horschel? Do you think he ever wins a major? No. God, he just seems like. I mean extreme recency bias and it's very 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 unlikely you know he's going to go two weeks in a row but brookline seems like an awesome fit right like a a you a proper proper u.s open test and and granted you know he's a guy that seemingly melts down and and seemingly can like you know get off the rails but when he's hot man he he seems to to keep it in line i I don't know a proper u.s open test like a lacc seems like i don't know seems like he could absolutely contend at a place like that T- Horschel was TC's pick to win at Brookline until we got to the eighth green. And he's like, no, he's going to lose his mind out here. This is not, it's not going to work. This is not it. But uh, I mean, one top 10 in, in 34 career majors, yeah. like today doesn't change anything about how I feel about Horschel. Like we know he has this in him like this, that he can go just, you know, run over people. Uh, it's just like, it, I will say the only thing I'll say ahead of Brookline is in the past, when he gets hot, it is not a one week thing. It's like a sustained run. Yeah. Like when he gets hot, he runs for a, like about a month. So it might be worth a look. I mean, I'm sure the odds are going to change, but um, I, it, that he's the one guy that's always like, it, it, it feels like he, uh, you just got to keep going to the whip with him when he gets hot. So we'll see. This hasn't been updated yet, but as of, of this week, 13th on the president's cup list, Billy Horschel, 14th on the president's cup list, Tony Finau. Hmm, that's interesting. It's damning. I, he's going to get a lot of but points there's a couple, for this one. Yeah, there's a couple guys. I mean, we can get into our live conversation later, but, like, is Taylor Gooch just, like, not <laughs> eligible for the President's Cup anymore? Because, you know, that would bump him up. I, I think I'm probably taking both of those guys ahead of Tom Hogecoin. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just – there's. There's some interesting stuff shuffling around in that list. I think he we gets- talk about Billy uh, around the players a lot because we think that, like, oh, there's something about, like, he has these major home hometown vibes, a course that he plays all the time. New Orleans, Austin, man, is, a, is, is it, adopted is it hometown. That, exactly. New Orleans is adopted hometown. In Austin, it's a match play thing. I was doing my research on Billy Ho here. Billy is a franchise owner of a Lemon Shark Poke Bowl in Columbus. So, true. Whoa, really? True. Horse for course here. <laughs> it is his second adopted hometown. That's why we got the victory today. Wow. You heard it Incredible. here first. God, this would have been helpful on the preview show this week. I don't even know if you're making that up. If, even if you're making that up, that's, no, that's a great I, I know this is audio only, but very true story. Proud franchise owner. Wow. Interesting. Unbelievable. It is worth noting also that six guys get automatic spots, six guys get picks, and the locker room thing is a factor in these things, and he's not a part of... Uh, whatever you want to call it, the cool guys club. Like he's not hanging with the the Speeths and JTs and them that are like pretty much in charge of dictating these teams. So he, God, he told me an epic story one time. I remember like back when I was working for the tour, I 
and he won the FedEx Cup. Like, I ended up spending a bunch of time with him, and he was talking about how he was trying to do this thing. Like, when Tiger first came on tour, he was, like, very, uh, you know, Billy's obviously very gregarious, and I think he, like, likes to be boys with, with everybody, especially the big names. And I think he almost, the way he told the story, I think he almost, like, overestimated how close him and Tiger were. And he saw him, like, coming on a range one time, and he, like, went to go like step up on a like like run towards this cooler and like hop up on the cooler and like wave at him or or like make some like big gesture and it I, I don't know if it was a styrofoam cooler or what ended up happening but his foot went through the cooler and he just like spilled all <laughs> over the all over the range it was it was great excellent story i i still remember that vividly i googled lemon shark pokey poke <laughs> yes and as of february 23rd this year it abruptly closed its doors. Oh, what? Oh. Shit. Yeah. So what happened? Well, nobody knows. Uh, according to the Columbus Underground, they reached out for comment on why it had been closed, but it received nothing. I heard the employees were trying to unionize. That's oh, why. Gosh, I hate that. Sorry, Sal. You so, were making an actual point about the. I don't think that was. You were saying he's not part of the cool kids club. Well, that's going to be a part of the. If you don't finish in the top six, the next six is going to come from the cool guy club, or it's going to take a sign off from that. I'm. I'm not necessarily saying people don't like him. It's just he is a volatile personality. That when you don't need volatile personalities, it's easier to bypass that. And I'm putting Reed is in like in a different category, but also like Reed's personality is working against him when it comes to getting a captain's pick in the future. I'm going to say unless unless T is making the the. Uh, the picks because he's taking P for sure. But who is else? Is there any? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, is there anything out there about fellow pros like being annoyed or chuffed publicly by Horschel? No. Is- I think there was a little dust up between him and Rory at the Walker Cup like forever ago that he still gets asked about by some of the Euros. But uh, okay. I think he kind of just does his own thing largely. I think he is is kind of uh, not, a, not a lone wolf by any means, but I think he is like he works really fucking hard and just kind of does goes about his business out there. I mean, I, I think he's very loud and he very, you know, gregarious. Like I said, I think he probably is always talking to other people, but he just seems like he mostly keeps himself. Uh, I want to ask who, who else on the PJ tour can get away with walking off the 18th green at Muirfield village and walking up to Mr. Nicholas and calling him big man. <laughs> Try to do it like you out there, big man. <laughs> I That's think huge. horse, horse might be the only one that tries That's to get away with that. He's got Massive That's borderline Mr. Big Man to you. Irrational confidence. Yes. Which is again, put him on the fucking Ryder Cup team. <laughs> like that's my whole point. I feel like you're still living in the in the time period where the US was not like an assertive force in the Ryder Cup. No, I think now. they're it's almost the opposite, where it's like they're gonna be so dominant now that yeah. like get these guys in there, man. And I know Billy's not like a spring chicken like he was in, in twenty fourteen, but I, I was saying it earlier and, and this is great because it's something that can never be proven true or false. But I think if he makes that twenty fourteen team, I think he legit becomes like the American Poulter. Yeah. I think he's the the only guy we have. JT's kind of been like that, but we've we've talked about this in the past where JT's ends up coming off very like only child vibes every now and again and it just doesn't play quite as cool as as it should, I think Billy's would come off very, very. That would be the best comp we'd have to, to be an I American Poulter. Yeah, I, I mean, really, I really like that. I think they lost that one. What sixteen and a half, eleven and a half? I think they probably went nineteen ten with him on that I team. Nineteen eleven, wholeheartedly. Like agree. I think, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> there were little Ghibli people. You, you like, cannot tell me that that Horschel for Jimmy Walker doesn't end up being a uh, 
a pro U.S. Uh, points change. Uh, yeah, but as Tom Watson said, Jimmy Walker's got that dog in him, you know. <laughs> so uh, there were people though that were like, "Oh, horse would have been on that team. They would have won. They'd have won that Ryder Cup." No, that I'm not quite sucked. going that far. But I think it would have been a massive. I, I will say, again, can't be proven true or false. So I might as well just huck him that week. If he would have made that Ryder Cup team, it would have significantly changed his career. I think I, I agree, will agree with you on that. Aaron Wise quietly playing some very good golf. Runner-up finish uh, this week and collecting a shitload of money for that one. Um, God, his putting was so freaking bad last year. It was, was bad. Yeah. I mean, he's been putting much better. How about that? Can't lay a sneaky T3. I'm not going to do – we're not just going to list off the names. I just want to <laughs> mention Can't lay and Neiman before we get to the pro. And yet another top five finish. Costly double on 18, of course, for Max Homa, but uh, finishes at six under par. Just like it – I think we, we bring this up almost every week now. It's like, yeah, he's like a friend of ours, so I, I don't think I've fully uh, – I'm so protective of being overly biased for him that I, I've probably somehow underestimated his talent and how well he's played over the last however many months. It's really incredible. Trills Zalatoris, Danny McCarthy, Sahith Tagala, Daniel Berger rounding out the top five. Bryson's back. So Hell yeah. He, uh, he, he played golf this week. It was not good. He missed cut by a mile, but uh, I'm not here to make fun of that. I'm, I just here to want to say it's good to have him back in the golf world. It's a lot more interesting uh, when he's involved. So here, here. Two big controversies this week. Bring them. The Hideki DQ. You can't, you know, you can't paint your the face of your three wood, I guess. Who H- knew? Hideki, not a tourist sauce guy. You can't write fucking tempo on your, on your club <laughs> face, apparently. Yeah, it seems like man, how did how did that get out of uh, Team Hideki? You know, no, nobody nobody questioned that. And then the other one was Rom. Can I stop almost, on that one? Can almost I? almost killing a, a laborer out there on the golf course. Disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely chucked a club. It almost hit the the uh, the boom mic person from uh, the ESPN Plus feature groups. Can we pause on the Hideki thing? I need the I need the Twitter mob to not whenever there is a violation of a rule and a DQ. To not automatically assume that the rules are me- the rules mess this one up, this this is very much that Hideki did something to his club that <laughs> yeah. is, is not allowed. I, I, I would say I'm staunchly in favor of like don't paint anything on the club of yes. your face. And like that's clearly <laughs> the rule. I'm, I'm totally for that. And he violated it and got DQ. There was way too much of like. Oh, golf getting in the way of itself again. It's like, no, like this is a very clear rule that you can't. Like, this is on Hideki for not knowing this rule 100 million percent. He had, for those that didn't see it, he was, he had put paint on the club to like help him with alignment. I don't know if he was lining the ball up wrong on there, but they make like this kind of technology in golf clubs. I don't know why you have to do this. Maybe he just really liked that club, but uh, it was posted on Instagram somewhere. And while he was in the middle of the round, it was brought to the tour's attention. They approached him and said, if you use this club yet today, he said, yes, okay, you out of here are gone. So <laughs> You out of here. Um, he was not playing well anyways, but I also had a pick for him in DraftKings, so not a good week for me. What do you guys think of uh, – I'm going to go to you first, Randy, someone that's been to this oh, tournament please. Uh, many times. What do you think of the modern Muirfield Village? I think it, it presents itself on TV really nicely and i'm not saying it's not nice in person but man it's difficult to walk i I never got the same i don't know if satisfaction is the right word it just it it has never really done it for me is, is how i would sum it up and it was a place where i'm like it's supposed to be sweet i'm supposed to like think it's sweet it's supposed to be awesome and it just has always left something a little bit wanting for me 
growing up there, it was like the best place ever to watch golf. Like if you didn't watch golf every week, like you looked forward to that week so much. There's great viewing angles and and it was a lot of what makes like an in-person experience potentially, you know, at a, at a professional event, a great one, right? Like I would say 90 plus percent of the people that go to this tournament don't care about like what I'll say next about it, which like also makes you say like, does it really matter what, what, what you think of it or how it plays? But it, it just makes me kind of apathetic about pro golf in general. It's just like boring. It's just boring golf. I think it's very boring to watch balls get stopped up in thick rough, like directly off the green. And I, listen, I know this course is not like designed to play like the style of golf courses that we like the most where the ball rolls a lot, but it is named after Muirfield for God's sake. And like that, you know, just thinking of that, how it, it obviously doesn't try to play anything like that, but thinking about the Jack element of that, it's like, yeah, it's named after that only because Jack won there, not because of like trying to model it off, off that plague style. And I don't know. It just feels like the nips and tucks that have been made to it have not made it a better course. I think the finishing stretch is horrendous. And it just like lo honestly looks like a golf course that needs a renovation, which is ironic considering they just had one. But in reality, it needs one from somebody not named Jack. And I think it can and should play a lot more interesting um, than it does. But like what they've done with that seventh green is pretty horrendous. And that's actually one of the few holes that actually doesn't have rough surrounding the green at, at all spots. And I think 16 is just a boring hole to watch. 17 is an abomination, and 18 is just not fun. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it. Slowly and slowly, I've just fallen a little bit out of love with it. It's incredible maintenance. Like the the, the <laughs> it's purity like is screensaver golf. It's out of control. Yeah. Like it's so good, yeah. yet at the same time, it, it uh, man, I I, I love. I maybe it's just I, I'm I was screwed up because I always only watched it in person and never watched it on TV. And now like watching it on TV, I'm just kind of like, eh. It's just like a, it looks like a TBC course that has Jack's name on it. It's one of those tournaments, I think, where my excitement, uh, like, tends to wane from Thursday to Sunday. I always get to, like, Sunday afternoon. I'm like, eh, I don't really care. What, what else is on? You know, whereas Thursday, I, I almost kind of trick myself into getting fired up. I'm like, oh, all right, proper golf course, iron play. Let's <laughs> let's do it. And then I watch it for, I'm with you, I watch it for 45 minutes or whatever. And I've been there many, many, many times. And, yeah, I'm just I'm like, yeah, I'm good. It also makes perfect sense as to like why when we have criticisms of individual tournaments, the people that go to them always are loud and speaking up. Like you have no idea. Like you got to come and see it in person. Like, okay, yeah, it's full. It's full spectrum for me. Very much of like, yeah, yeah I would have absolutely ridden for this. Uh, you know, back back in the day, and uh, I don't know, maybe just going up against the U.S. Women's Opens tough too. Like I just you can't I can't be in two places at once trying to watch both of them at the same time, and uh, it won't be that in the future. Thankfully, the U.S. Women's Opens moved to July and it'll kind of have its weekend to itself. But I think it kind of speaks volumes to just the the fact that the most exciting I think the golf course has been was when they had back to back weeks and they had the work day and they changed a bunch of tees around and they, they had it in July. Yeah, and they like that the conditions huge. were different and I was like, but that was a blast to watch. It was. And that is so much different than what we normally see, which is just kind of lush, boring, thick, rough, deep bunkers. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was good. that chief leather lips took a week off. He did good weather up in, uh, he did. He's got Columbus. COVID. He's out with COVID. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. He's on the, he's on the That's like the only, I've never been here. I've only watched it on TV like my entire life. It's the only thing I know about this course outside of, uh, this is the same course where like the deer continuously were jumping and impaling Tough. them themselves. Yes. Yeah. When they put right. the fence up around it for because the, the President's Cup, they had to have the... They hated the course so much, they were yeah. killing themselves. Tough. <laughs> TC and I did a crash course podcast on this last year when it was coming, uh, unveiling itself back for the Memorial Tournament. So if anybody wants to go listen to that, the the head superintendent 
and the tournament director were on talking about a little bit of the changes. And the number one thing that drove Jack to these recent renovations was to make the players, or excuse me, not players, but the members happy. So I guess trying to figure out how do you make it more easier, better, enjoyable walk for their membership versus they did, you know, a yearly PGA tour event. I'm sure there's some, uh, not a lot of middle ground in between there, but that's what they believe they were trying to achieve. If they did that, who knows? But the TPC comment, like I get, and I agree with 100%, but I also think it's like this course and just like every other course that we see every year on the schedule that never really changes. You're just like, okay, man, like, I was kind of over it. It's it's definitely two things. It's a, the bastion of the generation of, you know, the greener the golf course is and the harder the golf course is, the better the golf course is. I think there's a lot of that probably reflected. I don't know the membership. You guys would know them far better than I do. But stereotyping, I would say that that probably sums up a lot of the sentiment there. And then I think the other, the other part about it that I think just came to me is it's got a little bit of Torrey Pines to it a little bit of Bay Hill to it where it's like, Oh yeah. When Tiger's playing there, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's really, yeah, it's really fun to watch Tiger play there. And Firestone. What, what was Firestone's another great example and watching a bunch of the, even like the highlights of him chipping in on 14, that like gross T shot or gross flop shot from whatever that was like 2002 or something. 2000. The one where you hold the, yeah. Yeah. And the, the one where the other one on 16 where he hold the flop shot against Ricky is like, oh, my God, what an awesome golf course because the cat's there and he's hitting all these shots. Uh, but, yeah, when it's, you know, William McGirt, when it's like, you know, <laughs> no no offense to our guy David Lingmurth who's a past champion there. I feel like we'd be doing an injustice if we didn't point out his, his <laughs> year that he won. Uh, yeah, that's the little – that's going to probably get the people going a little less. Yeah. What a change a year makes, though. I mean, final round last year was – Rom being told like, "Yo, you're out of here." That like, was second. That was third round. round. That was Saturday round. Yeah, yeah. and Cantlay. But nobody remembers man, Cantlay winning. I know. It seems like that was a long time ago. But to just to think back a year on it, it's it's crazy. And yeah. honestly, coming out of PGA Championship, Rom's kind of making his way up on the leaderboard too, outside of the Shank near death experience for the poor volunteer. But <laughs> um, you know, we'll see. Another person to watch out for U.S. Open for sure, Brooklyn. Just a footnote for that. I don't believe it was a volunteer because I do believe that ESPN pays the people for the feature group coverage that are ca- carrying the speakers. But Randy can look I, I into just, that. I don't want that True. to go into. I don't want that to go into Randy's file necessarily. No, no, right. I, it was put yeah, allegedly yeah. behind it. We're no, okay. That's right. It, well, it's another attack on labor. One, <laughs> the, one the volunteers, the volunteers have yeah. to pay hazard pay if they. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. of You guys carrying water for the PGA Tour. <laughs> so. We'll give a shout out to our friends at Rapsodo. You can go to rapsodo.com slash NLU. Use promo code NLU for $100 off our favorite mobile launch monitor. These things are extremely accurate. They get within 2% of units that cost about $20,000. Spoiler alert, this thing does not cost $20,000. The Rapsodo mobile launch monitor app automatically tracks your stats. It stores video with Shot Tracer. It helps you with your club gapping. Helps you understand true distances you hit for each club. It can help you out with if you're putting new clubs in the bag, learning how far certain clubs go. The mobile launch monitor from Rapsodo provides immediate feedback and data, creates a better practice environment. Most importantly, it just keeps you from mindlessly hitting golf balls. It's very portable. It's about the size of a rangefinder. It fits on the outside of your bag. You can use it indoor and outdoor. Rapsodo.com slash NLU, promo code NLU for $100 off a mobile launch monitor. Live Golf is here. 
It is official. Live, laugh, golf. Live, laugh, golf. Uh, as we mentioned earlier and on Twitter, Randy is leaving No Laying Up to be an on-course commentator for this. You're just tuning in. Your YouTube series. It was a tough decision. <laughs> what, what swung you in that direction, Randy? It was the Andy Ogletree interview. <laughs> It would, no, they just said a lot of good things about being able to grow the game, which you guys know has been a real passion of mine for quite some time. <laughs> That's actually the only reason Randy hasn't joined. Uh, yeah, they yeah. they I don't even know how much they're paying much. me. I just They told me they were going to grow the game. and so Where sure. do I sign? That's good enough for me. Um, I don't know where we want to start with this. Is it Kevin Na? I don't even know, man. I've been like trying to gather my thoughts for like a week. We did a very disheveled, very scattered reaction pod when the – when the list came out, uh, and, and have still tried to, to gather my thoughts. I don't know if we start just on like a macro level, a little bit of of kind of wh- where's everybody coming into this conversation? Where where are you feeling? How, what are you feeling? I think for me, I'm kind of stuck between two things, like two kind of overarching thoughts are are battling in my head. I think on this stuff, and one of them is just that this seems like it's. The, the product seems awful, and I'm not closed off to the fact that it might get better and better as years go on. We'll, we'll get to that. But as it stands right now, the product seems really, 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 really bad. And it just seems so destined to fracture golf into, like, two really shitty products. And then the other thing in my head is that the PJ Tour is already a really shitty product, and so maybe it doesn't matter. And and trying to square those two things in my head is a bit of a... A bit of a weird uh, situation. It's kind of just led to an overall malaise, I think, in reaction to a lot of this stuff. But I'm I'm curious how you guys are feeling just on a, a macro level on live golf. I I think that we can for at least the majority of this, and I, I'm I'm confused as well as to whether or not as we're having this conversation and the the people are listening to it, if we're speaking to the same audience that the you know that has having the same conversation on Twitter, which seems to have devolved into my answer to that would probably be no, like based on the fact that the same whataboutism things come up immediately and it becomes almost about the conversation there almost seems to be about the rights of these players to do this versus like, hey, like, can we just like take maybe like a half step back and and talk about this as golf fans? Like yeah. why, like what, why in the world would a golf fan be rooting for this? And I think the answer to that might be what you're saying. Like the PGA Tour kind of stinks uh, for the most part. And so at least outside of. Yeah. Four to six weeks. At t- it has its moments, yeah. but like the structure, and there's a lot of things that kind of stink about it, despite us being uh, what I was called this week, quote, a dick rider for the PGA Tour. <laughs> which, is, which is sick. <laughs> which is sick. I would encourage people to continue to send those tweets. <laughs> I struggled to even like the find... PGA Tour, who wouldn't credential us for a long yeah. time because we were so critical of them. Uh, yeah, we are just completely dick riding. <laughs> um like what, what? Everything we say, we should. We should. We've done this in the past. We should just lob off random shots at the PJ Tour just for fair and balance. So for sure. If anybody has the radio, yeah. I would encourage you to, to shoot some out. Just just interject <laughs> them into conversations. To drawing this all back to like why I talk about golf for a living, why I've loved and been entertained by golf for a very long time, and like none of it has to do with like what they're offering out of this right now, right? Like I think. Drawing it way back, there is a balance between professional athletes being paid and the entertainment value you provide us, right? Like Steph Curry has an outrageous salary, right, for the Golden State Warriors. Yet I have not one single problem with that, right? He is, it's what the market dictates, and he plays as hard as he fucking can 
for his team, which provides fans something of interest and to root for. The fans are not there rooting for his bank account, but they root for the Warriors. They root for that team, and he gives everything to that team. Like, that's the trade-off here, right? Like, you're going to make a shitload of money. That's what the market's going to give you, yet you are going to give us, like, something in sports to watch and be entertained by and, like, have some suspense in the outcome of this thing and make me invested in what the outcome is. Does any of what I just described remotely describe what we're going to witness this week in London? Like none of this is a hit and giggle. Like this is like an like an exhibition where they're paying the players a shitload of money to participate in. Like the result does not matter at all, other than like to deliver money to these guys. And that's where like if we ignore all of the human rights stuff about it because people want to do call us hypocrites and pull the most crazy what about with that like let's ignore that for a second say like this thing's gonna fucking suck for that reason alone pulling back on what makes sports entertaining this doesn't have it but i think like just the money wise when you think about it too there's so much more that like steph curry brings to the table outside of like putting people in the seats like winning that or you know world championships everything else there's merchandise sales there's video games there's everything else like steph not necessarily isn't getting a direct cut from that's coming from his salary. So like, I look at it kind of that way is like, where, where do these guys comparing and trying to play like the free agent card and make it comparable to like us fans or international fans and make it play like that? Like, where are they getting that, that, that like that they're equal on both sides because it's, it's not at all. That's I, I just want to make one thing clear on that, though, is like I don't mean this to be an apples to apples comparison as to this golfer to this NBA player because it's different. It is different scenario. I'm just talking about what is entertaining for people watching the sport on television. That's the comp I'm making. That, yeah. like this, this is what it, you know sports provides us, and this is what live it like. The, the the right for the players to go do this, I think, is different from, like, the golf fans saying, hold up here, like, I don't like this because this is not going to be entertaining to me. Right. And I think, I think where some of the disconnect comes from, I was talking to Zach Blair about it today, and I was kind of trying to explain, like, I, I'm trying to be very self-aware, like, at least up front about, like, man, I know I sound like a cliche, and I'm clutching my pearls, and I just don't know, like, how else to say it because I'm trying to, like, understand how I'm feeling about a lot of this. But when you get into the, you know, playing for trophies versus playing for money conversation, Zach, I thought, had a really good point where he's like, you know, it's like every player, whether they say it or not, like like playing for trophies is a luxury that very, very few players achieve. Right. And right now it seems like we're in the game where Rory and JT and Spieth and Rom and those guys are cool to stand up at press conferences and say like, no, no, no. Like we play for trophies because they've already beaten so much ass on the golf course that like (laughs) they're almost like have gotten to that. They've like leveled up to the point where they are able to say like, you know what? The money doesn't really interest us. And this is bullshit. If you leave like, you know, we're that's not why we play. We play for we play for trophies. And Zach's point was like. Everybody kind of graduates to that, but everybody starts out like playing for money. 100%. Which was a really, I thought that was really well said. And I think where a little bit of the disconnect comes from is a lot of these guys just like skipping that step, right? And on one hand, I'm like, Taylor Gooch, Andy Ogletree, James Piot, all these guys, like, yeah, dude, does that make sense for you and your career and your bank account and your family and your generational wealth? Like, hell yeah, of course that makes sense. I totally get why you would do it. However, you have to understand, like, from my perspective as a golf fan, to, to quote our, our boy Stephen A. Smith, 
We don't care. We don't we care. Don't. We don't care. And it, it is very much just like, yo, you, you got to get where I'm coming from here. Of just like, I don't want to fucking watch that. Yeah. And, and it almost hit me today where it's like, you could almost sub in a lot of these, like Taylor Gooch is going to play live golf for like Taylor Gooch is becoming an investment banker. Just like, yeah, he understood like he could make a lot more money becoming an investment banker. And that's the best decision for him and his family. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, cool, man. Great call. Like, I don't want to fucking watch you at your desk, like, making trades and, kind and of doing is. stuff. He's becoming part of the public investment fund <laughs> well, of true. Saudi Arabia. He but kind of is becoming an investment You bank. know what I mean? It's like this weird disconnect of, like, these guys are totally entitled to it. It's an offer that's on the table. It totally makes rational sense. Like, yeah, I get that, man. But, like, I just don't want to watch it. And I don't care. And, I'm, I'm again, I'm trying to leave myself a little bit open to the fact that, yeah, maybe we're going to, and Rory said this, what feels like years ago now, like, yeah, maybe we'll get to the point where all the best players in the world are doing this. And that's what golf is now. And we might get to that point And I might, you know, you, you might almost be like not forced, but like that might be what pro golf turns into, or at least like elite pro golf. But for right now, it's like, dude, I could not outside of the chaos of it all. I could not have less interest. In, in watching this as like an entertainment product. It is a fucking joke. Yeah. It's like a literal joke. It, it is taking like all the people and, and this God damn man, like this gets us into Tron tweeted this, but like the Andy Ogletree interview with Matt Adams where he's like, I don't know Andy at all. He seems like a nice guy, but you know, one U S amateur. However, however, He's going off in, in this whole thing about like, you know, oh, I'm just uh, the corn fairy tour is not giving me any status, which first of all, like how fucking unlike do you have to be to win a USAM and like knock at corn fairy uh, exemptions? That's interesting in itself Two, like all this stuff about like going and playing mini tour events and like, Oh, I'm playing, you know, I got to pay a thousand dollars to play these events and the purses aren't even big. It's like, yeah, dude, that's what pro golf is. Like that's the whole fucking thing. And it gets back to the, the age old kind of golf writer thing of like what elite player has like the system held back. ever held back. Right. Like if you're, if you're gonna if you're supposed to make it, you make it. And a lot of these guys have found a shortcut around that uncomfortable life, but it is a shortcut and it's not real life. It, it, they, they are complete pawns in like these guys who are bad dudes who I think has been fairly publicized. These guys are pawns in trying to reel in bigger fish. And if they want to make, if they want to turn their career into that, where they make a bunch of money uh, to be these like this stopgap solution for trying to take over the PJ tour. Like sweet man, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But like, please don't think that I or anybody else has to like support this for some reason. Like fuck off, have fun. Smell ya. I just want to say uh, big Randy 25. Uh, the first 100 <laughs> listeners can get free tickets to this weekend's event. In Which London. is on Randy. YouTube. They don't even that's, have a broadcast. I have the joke typed big. out in the agenda. Damn it. It's no laying up 25 <laughs> for, for free tickets. Come on. Well, they gave me my own one. Big Randy 25. <laughs> that will get you day passes this weekend. But only the first 100, right? Yes. Yes. Um, Listen, I, a couple of years ago, we couldn't even talk. Like On the broadcast, you couldn't even talk about money. And now we're supposed to like feel sorry for a bunch of people who are already like majority of them are all like multimillionaires. And it just doesn't like it doesn't matter to me at all. Like what what's the golf that we're supposed to be playing? How is what's this team format going to look like? Who are we supposed to root for? Like what are these hideous uniforms that they're <laughs> going to be wearing? Like what what what's actually happening this weekend? Uh, it. 
and again, I, I still want to ignore the human rights as aspect of this. This is continue. all of this yes. said nothing about that. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it is hard to ignore that. But the whole thing, because the whole thing exists basically to try to make you forget about the fact these guys are bad guys. That's why, that's the reason why the money is this outrageous. This is not the market value for their golf services. It's yes. not. Otherwise, this would have come up in a way that makes a whole hell of a lot more business sense than this does. It doesn't make business sense because Andy Ogletree, if he goes and wins this tournament and wins $4 million, is not delivering that level of value to the Saudi public investment fund. He's J not. James Piott, uh, in his pro starts, has never broken par. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. So like, and just got a seven-figure signing bonus to join a professional golf tour. And think about how fucked up it is that the, the strength of field for this first event is about the same as like a Bermuda, the Bermuda event for on the PGA Tour, Only. and they're giving up the biggest purse in golf history. Yeah, like there, this is an outsized placement of of the market value, and and where I've I why I say that is so many of the issues we have with the PGA Tour and its entertainment value, none of that comes from a place of like. Man, these players need more money. Like they're they're not the market is not properly serving this. No one watches the PGA Tour. The ratings are horrible. Sponsors aren't happy about it. Broadcasters are not happy about it. Yet the money keeps going up. They they keep paying more money for it. Uh, I think it has more to do with the squeeze on on the importance of live sports in the in the TiVo era more than it does like them actually deserving like sending out a great product. And I got really wound up, and I don't remember where I was going with that, other than, like, it, it's not... It, what's wrong with the PGA Tour is not the fact that, like, the players aren't making enough money. Yes. And that's where it's, like, easy to get pissed off here of, like, those of us that have been raising our hands and say, this needs to get more entertaining. There's things you need to do, you things you need to change that you're not changing. I get it. Like, you don't, we don't really matter in the room because, you know, sponsors keep writing checks and players keep cashing the money. But if players are unhappy about how much money is going, it, they're getting and they're running off to do this, then, like, the option isn't, oh, I'm going to watch one of these two things. It's like, okay, I'm not going to watch either. And I'm not talking about me, the person that you know covers golf, but like to the golf fan, it's going to be way easier to not watch golf after this. Yeah, I was, I was looking at it almost like, you know, I don't have any, I'm sure if we looked up strength of field stuff and, and all of that with what's happened to the, the Dude Perfect World Tour, uh, the Euro Tour, the artist formerly known as the Euro Tour, over the last like five years, I mean, how irrelevant does that tour feel? now yeah right and it, it did not feel that way five years ago no i felt like it was a lot of and maybe that's it's hard to separate like how much of that is personal and how much of that is is macro but man it, i don't know the last time i mean other than dubai and abu dhabi like when is there ever appointment viewing on the on the dp world tour right and especially with the scottish now becoming like a co-sanctioned thing but point of that is is yeah like when when there's too much going on, man, it, the answer is not like, well, I guess I got to watch it all. It's just like, well, okay, cool. I'll just watch none. If it's all, if it's all diluted. Yeah. yeah. And, and so on one hand, I like, it makes me a little bit optimistic that the majors will be like at least more interesting, but it also makes me pessimistic that, you know, are, are a lot of those people who are tuning out in week to week stuff, uh, coming back for those majors. I have no idea. Maybe that's kind of how it already is, and that's that kind of brings me to my original point of, like, the PJ Tour already sucks, and they have a very, very, very core audience who's probably going to watch it every week anyways. Like dick, dick riders. <laughs> dick Fellow dick riders uh, who are, you know, going to watch it anyways because that's when they take their Saturday or Sunday nap, and they probably don't even know a lot of this shit is going on in the first place, which is a whole other broadcast media conversation. But I don't know, man. It just seems like the next five, ten years we have, like, a pretty depressing fractured world of pro golf on our hands. And, and I wish there was, I wish there was better news and I wish there was like a better product 
on the other side being offered, right? And like, do shotgun starts get me excited? No. No. Do teams same with the PGL shotgun start? Like the yeah, I'm, it doesn't seem good. Interesting. Do teams get me excited? Yes. If you have forty eight. Like real teams, real interesting teams. Yes. Like, I don't know. Is Richard Bland going to be a captain of one of these teams? <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out who the captains are. And like, I, I guess he's a captain and like Schwartzel's a captain maybe, or maybe like Weisberger. But like, damn, man, you take like those guys out of the quote unquote draft. It gets pretty tough, uh, but it's going to be louder. Live golf. As long as we're here is just a stupid name. Uh, I think I want to get that on the record as long as we're we're going off. But so is you know the Corn Fairy Tour. So it's hard to <laughs> hard to really go off about that. Uh, I think it's really funny. Robert Garrigus is not in the field after we we said he was going to be kind of the bullet sponge God, he for. Got burned. Uh, yeah, we had a feeling that 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 might be the case. However, I think that is interesting in itself, just with how many other PGA Tour players like probably got turned down in favor of you know, bigger name or not bigger name, but like a, a truly more like worldwide, um, you know, field, which I think is a whole, like, this is what's so hard about this topic is like, you start going into all these different rabbit holes and there's just two hours worth of conversation on like every element of this. But one part is like, if I know we said this like a year ago, but if they are truly trying to almost like start from scratch, and if this is almost less about, you know, turning the CBS, Akron, Ohio viewer into a live golf viewer, which I kind of like, I'm starting to think it is. And it's much more about like, let's create a brand new fan with a worldwide audience and all these things. Like I, I think, you know, Taylor Gooch is the same as Davis Riley is the same as Cameron Young is the same as Harry Higgs is the same as any of these guys, like to a brand new fan, right? Like what's the difference? They don't have any context. They don't, all these guys are, you know, no, to the naked eye, nobody, none of those viewers are going to be able to tell really like who's better. So it's, I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's very weird, but it's, it's not going away. I think we're going to continue to see like more and more names at the Portland event. I think it's we'll gonna see more, names more and more normal. The, yeah. Like that's the whole goal. It's like uh, Matt, how you said Robert Garrigus. I hadn't thought of that. Like that was like making the headlines a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like, so, this is the man that put in now that there's 40 plus names, like all of a sudden, like that feels pretty normal. And like when Phil inevitably announces that he's going to be playing in this, that will feel pretty normal to that point. And you know what else? Like not to, you know, not God, what a fucking hornet's nest of mentions this even becomes. But, but what about China? We haven't even talked about the fact that like two of the eight, Events are hosted at Donald Trump's golf courses. (laughs) Like the dude who had the PGA championship pulled from his golf course. Like, huh, where do you think they're going for these events? Like that's a whole other aspect that like there's so much shit piled onto this sandwich that people haven't even gotten to that layer yet. It's just, oh, it's so depressing. But at any time here, guys, reactions. Nothing, nothing to disagree with, really. I, I don't have a lot to add. I, I think, you know, the only hope maybe is it, will, it won't be immediate, but maybe this forces the PGA Tour to to kind of change their model. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that will look like, but, you know, I guess that's a hope. I, th- I think the thing I agree with most is probably, you know, it, it's really just like the majors are the only thing that, that matter. And you know, everybody's got their one, two, three, four, you know, personal tournaments that they really enjoy, whether it's the course or maybe it's in their hometown or whatever. I, I just, yeah, I, I, 
this doesn't change like my viewing experience, I guess. I mean, am I going to miss any of these guys that are going to play live? Like, no, not yet. really. I guess Mickelson, if he, yeah, when, when he does make it official, but I don't know, man. I'm just I like, I, I, I've said it before. I, I'm just like, you know what? I'm a big fan of women's golf and that's kind of where my interest is going. And, you know, I'll watch the majors and whatnot, but I, I'm, I'll just live my life and these these guys, you know, you live yours. This is where I'm going to do everybody who's like listening to this right now and say, okay, well, Mr. Big, like, let's talk about Aramco and their, you know, their sponsorship of not only multiple LPGA players, but events. Oh, sure. No, no, don't get me wrong. I, I, I take no personal issue with any of these guys cashing the checks. I, you know, I forget who it was. Just be upfront, like, yeah, it's the money. I want the money. Um, I, I don't don't try to sell me the BS. You know, grow the game or you know, golf Saudi tourism bullshit. Uh, yeah. No problem with that. And I think it's the same on the ladies' side. I, I just don't like live for all the reasons DJ and Solly stated. Like from a pure just golf perspective, like it. it am I like jonesing to tune into it? No, I'm good. I'm 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 totally good. <laughs> And if I can just turn that your question there, Cody, into like a, a question about like the kind of whataboutism in general, it's the goal, like what they have to be loving about this process is how fast it's probably a lot of bots on Twitter and whatnot, but the conversation tr like tries to equate two things to being equal, right? Like, well, why do you know the Aramco series on the women's tour? Like, okay. It's a different conversation if the Aramco series is like a rival to the LP, like a rival league to the LPGA tour that talks about uplifting the entire structure of the LPGA tour. I think it's a different conversation. I really, right. really do. And a lot of people want to try to make these things out to be the same thing. Like, why aren't you mad about the PGA tour doing business in China? That's the same thing as this rival golf tour, which just, if it makes it easier, get rid of the WGC in way China. That, that would be great. Bad way in on that. Not good. China, all that stuff. Not good. <laughs> Not going to swear off on every decision the PGA Tour makes. Also, not going to swear off on every decision the United States government makes. What about as, Uber, though? As Andy, as Andy Ogletree pointed out many, many, many times in that interview, Saudi Arabia is an ally of the United States. Listen, I have many, many critical things to say about the United States government as well. Like the, the links that people will go to try to dumb down like the actual issue with it, just it, it, it makes it, it's exhausting. It really, really is exhausting. And it's like, uh, it's it's wearing it's wearing on me at this point. We're not like qualified to like have these conversations to begin with, but am I qualified to be able to say like, hey, this is probably a bad thing. Like these people that way 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 want to overpay for these players' services, and I know why they're doing it. Like that's probably not a great thing as a golf fan sitting here. Like I'm not gonna be rooting for that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be brave here and be against that. Okay, <laughs> that's like the extent of where I feel about this. For anybody who like knows anything about my background and, and what I've done and where I've been to, it would be entirely hypocritical of me to say that I like don't have feelings and views and, and like deep thoughts on what live is doing and what they're trying to do. It's hard. It puts me in a weird position because like me, Cody, normal Cody, like I'm like, this fucking sucks, man. But like at the same time, big, I'm right there with you. Like if you tell me this is for the money and like, this is what you're going to do. Like, I'm kind of okay with it, man. Like, go do that. Do I think it's like the best decision? Could you go make that money somewhere else? Maybe, probably, but is it going to take you a little bit longer? Maybe some hard work, a little bit more luck? Sure. 
I just don't want to hear the BS tied behind it of growing the game or any tourism bullshit or anything else like that. Second part. This week, and we talk about bots and and what the what about what aboutism and everything else. I cannot wait to see the onslaught because in order for this sports washing thing to actually like take place, number one, you either have to get people to the event, which they're charging outrageous amounts for, or unless you have just to put in people... one of the promo codes. Shackford was saying you can get like just dozens and dozens of free tickets if you use any of those promo codes. Which is <laughs> Big Randy twenty five at checkout. <laughs> Second part is you have to be able to watch the coverage, and that's on YouTube. And you're going to see, like, people are going to show their cards pretty quick this week when you see, like, this onslaught of, inst- like, influencers who are just shelling out this links and who they're promoting it. And it's going to become the wild, wild west of, like, whoa, where, where did you come from? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Outside of, like, yo, you just got, like, a fat sack of cash. Like, so two okay. things. Oh, go ahead. Where I'm going to draw the line on this is if they use the YouTube countdown music to go yeah. into the foot, I'm, I'm going to lose my shit. I agree. That, that shit is fire, <laughs> and it is it is it is meant for stuff like Taurus sauce. And if they use that, then I'm going to lose my shit, DJ. Man, you kind of derailed me there. <laughs> um, two things I was going to say. One, Cody, I I agree with you. I think that the the one mistake. Well, there's many mistakes people can and and have made in this whole conversation, but I think one of the biggest ones would be like putting too much weight on how this event goes. And even like it's, I think it's very fun to make fun of the idea that it's on YouTube, but I also get why they're doing it because they're trying to stand this up as quickly as possible. And obviously any network that would take this on has already, you know, planned out their programming like years and years in advance. And it's almost like they're rushing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they're rushing it, but uh, I think one, it like let's see what they do next year. Almost from a broadcast standpoint, because I, I think this first year is just going to be very much bootstrapped. Like we don't really care who's watching. It's more about just getting tournaments going. And as fucked up as it is, like getting real money into these players' bank accounts, so they tell the other players that they're actually getting paid and all of those things, and, and try to draw more people in. And two. On that note, I wonder, man, I wonder how many of these dudes are looking at what the FedEx Cup season is. We're getting like towards the end of the PJ Tour season. FedEx Cup bonus time is a ton of money. I wonder how many of these guys are just like, yo, let's get through the FedEx Cup. Let's get as much bonus money as I can. And I will see you live golf uh, January 2023, man. Let's fire it up. I, I, I think there's probably a lot of people in that camp as well, which is, again, what, what worries me. I don't think it's going to be a total exodus from the PGA Tour, which is where I, I keep I keep coming back to this, like, man, it just seems like we're going to have two shitty products. It Listen, I will be there, uh, not actually in person, but I will be there on Thursday when this broadcast goes live to be dunking on this. Listen, I will be there for that, okay? <laughs> this is going to be open season. It's going to be a turkey shoot. It's going to be very easy. But this, this week will be the worst of all of it, yeah. I would say. The fields are probably only going to get better. The production's only going to get better. The format in some way will evolve. Like, it's just going to be – it just has to. Like, it, 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 there's just too much – once the, the money actually, be it, you know, gets paid to these guys, whatever the catch is, and there's going to be a catch, and it sounds like there are some catches already in terms of what guys can wear, what they have to wear when they play in majors, even if they join this league, the media obligations, you know, hobnobbing it with fans inside the ropes, all the things that are – the catch of, with this much money is going to come, but – I think they're going to be easy on whatever those catches are before they start getting the bigger and bigger names into it. And I think there will be bigger names as this goes along. This is, you know, does, is the field this week a total joke? It is. The DJ poll was freaking enormous, man. It would have been 
so easy to make. Like, it's going to be easy to make fun of, but holy shit, if they didn't have him, they would have absolutely nothing. Whatever they paid for him, I hate to say it was worth it, but like it saved them going into this first event. Yeah, totally agree. Which, Can't believe you didn't think Kevin Na was going to carry the bucket for him. No, he's definitely carrying the bucket for him. Just you know, not not with fan popularity. <laughs> and I don't even know if uh, nice use of the word fan, by the way, not fans. God, uh, that was such an own goal to to the fan. Let's. Uh, why don't My we? Fan. Why don't we dive into this one? This was tweeted by Kevin Na at ten fifty on Saturday. He said to my fan. <laughs> Incredible. Also, just love using like n- your notes app to uh, to you know retire from the PGA Tour. Anyways, for 19 years I've played on the PGA Tour and I have loved every minute of it. I appreciate the platform the tour has provided me to play the game that I love and for the opportunities that have come with it. Recent developments in the professional golf world have given me a chance to reconsider my options. I would like the freedom to play wherever I want, and exercising my right as a free agent gives me that opportunity. However. To remain a PGA Tour player, I must give up my right to make these choices about my career. If I exercise my right to choose where and when I play golf, then I cannot remain a PGA Tour player without facing disciplinary proceedings and legal action from the PGA Tour. PGA Tour player is huge on the right to choose. I am (laughs) sad to share that I have chosen to resign from the PGA Tour. This has not been an easy decision and not one I take lightly. I hope the current policies change and I'll be able to play on the PGA Tour again. For now, please keep an eye out for Live Golf. It's an exciting new product, and I hope you'll enjoy the buzz it will it brings to golf. I'm thrilled to begin the next chapter in my career starting next week at the inaugural Live Invitational Series event in London. Hope you'll continue to support me. You know, one word comes to mind: Dick Ryder. <laughs> when you when you read that note, I, I, God, I, you should type up a notes reply. Just like, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but low key, like I at least respect this move. Of like, I'm not going to try to have it both ways. Like, I'm sure. I'm reti- I'm resigning from the PGA Tour. The people that are forcing the issue and like not willing yeah. to part, you know, you know, not willing to abide by the rules that they've agreed to with the PGA Tour to try to have it both ways. I have a bigger problem with than like Kevin not resigning from the tour. Sure. Like maybe there's an ulterior I, maybe. motive here. Uh, yeah, it also seems like it's trying to play like glowing brain chess on like you can't fire me, I quit. Uh, I'm legally immune on all this. Like I, I don't know what is. There were some great quotes from his fellow tour players out at Memorial in a golf digest article that were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what he was doing. Uh, like, I, yeah, I guess I wish him, I wish him luck, but yeah, I don't really know why he did that. Eamon Lynch tweeted that other live players will like Kevin, not probably resign their PGA tour memberships, which means they can't be suspended, but would lose, just lose their status. That in turn removes the most likely basis on which the USGA might have prevented them from playing the U S open this month. So if the USGA wanted to ride with, PJ Tour, of course, does not discuss disclose dis- disciplinary actions. But if they wanted to suspend Kevin Na, I guess what he's saying is the USGA would say, "Okay, we adhere to PJ Tour suspensions, yeah. and therefore Kevin Na cannot play." Yeah, right. Seems like some loophole creating, but whatever. it also seems like it, if you, it's a it's for that one week, or maybe even like the Open Championship. It seems like a big play. It feels a little bit like the Michael Scott. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> you can't just like yell at it. That doesn't like mean it. Um, I don't know, Randy. You mentioned something earlier about the the PJ Tour business model, which I would love to dive into. Not necessarily because I, you know, know what I'm talking about, but more from the perspective of I just think it's worth mentioning from a kind of how did we get here perspective. I feel like the tour's business model is one of those things. You know, even when I worked there, as far back as when I started kind of being involved in 
the world of, of pro golf, it's one of those things that always looked like so shiny and bulletproof and like this gold standard of like these guys figured it out. Uh, and then honestly, until the last like couple of months has, has been like a true, what if they shot you in the face situation <laughs> to me where it's like, dude, it is so rock solid from a way the business model works. They sell their media rights. Then they work with these umbrella sponsors and then they give part of the money back to the networks as far as pre-sold ads. And then they give the other half to the tournaments. And then they're giving all this money to charity, which keeps them tax free, but none of the charity money even comes through their books. And it's just like this unbelievably brilliant setup unless like the players leave. <laughs> right? it's, so it's like, what if they shot you in the face? And uh, that's where it has come to this point over the last couple months here where like I, I keep just getting this dumb look on my face when people ask like, you know, what should the PJ tour do? It's like, I have no fucking idea, man, because of the way they are set up and because they're a 501 C6 trade organization, which means they have to treat all their members equally, which means they are hamstrung by like all these things that have basically allowed them to be so successful in the past. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's one of those things that like the, the whole system looks so bulletproof until a bullet gets through and then it becomes a bit of a death star situation where it's like, oh no, the, the one bullet got in and the whole thing's about to blow up. And it's just, it's wild. So I don't know, I don't know what the next step is other than like truly, like, I don't know if you blow it up and like reincorporate as like a for-profit entity and then you can kind of pay stars more what they're worth. I just, I have no idea, man. And and it's just, it's just really, really worth mentioning that like we did the whole breakaway tours podcast. I would recommend everybody go back and listen to that. But I mean, this shit has like been going on since for like 30 years, right? I mean, since Greg Norman, literally, I mean, the whole thing sounds like a novel at this point, like <laughs> true like literally greg norman back for the crown after being having his face rubbed in the mud it's a bit like the northman i would recommend people check out the northman uh brandy did you watch the northman ever no i haven't yet right. maybe tonight maybe spoiler alert yeah uh, he comes back to kick some ass but they uh even going back to 1994 there's a great la times article i would recommend people look up the pj tour has had ftc monopoly investigations going on all the way back to then when when Greg Norman wanted to form this world tour and had all the same complaints. What, what do you mean? If I, you know, if I fulfill my 15 events, like why can't I go over here and play more events? And why, how are you able to keep me even though I'm an independent contractor, all this stuff. And that investigation just kind of like weirdly went away again. I would encourage people to go read that article, but it, it was a lot of like Tim Fincham kind of like going to Capitol Hill and just kind of making it disappear is the, the implication of the article, which doesn't seem like the strongest kind of legal standing for this thing. It, but it's, it's kind of the Saudis thing to make things disappear. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's our move. <laughs> uh, but it, even since then, it's not like there have been like structural changes, right? Like all that has happened. Like I think it's been very, very clear for literally three decades almost that like, Oh my God, this is our biggest, you know, weakness. And we just need to keep shoveling as much money as possible at these players to the point that like, hopefully they never, you know, I don't want to say wake up, but hopefully they never like understand, you know, that that's where the, the liability is. It's like keep building the the wall or the moat, if you will, (laughs) and like make it as impenetrable as possible. And like maybe the strength you know, of uh, of the army below is able to breach the wall in some way, though, now. Like, no matter how high they make the wall, like, somebody might be getting in. And that's where you, you look back now, again, hindsight, but you look back now at 
at the the creation of the WGCs and the creation of the FedEx Cup and the way purses have just spiraled out of control and the way that they have opposite field events and the way that they have elevated events and the way that they have done just this, this, this. It's just whack-a-mole of just how do we get more and more and more money to these guys? And it just makes so much more sense looked at from like a 30-year picture, right? And and now, oh God, it just seems like that army is kind of like broken contain. And, and I really don't know how you get them out. I would like to, of course, at this, this is the point of the conversation where we bring attention to a proposal that's been made to the PGA Tour to, you know, restructure their format into what would be something that would be... The way you get the army out is by having players uh, tweet some pre-crafted tweets. That's uh, it, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but a, uh, a, a, there is a proposal out there that uh, the Premier Golf League would like the PGA Tour to independently value uh, and, and put that option in front of players. And I think that is like kind of where I've concluded as to that is the – like I don't like what's going on. I don't think it's fun. It's not fun to talk about. It's, uh, you know, it's not going to make for more entertaining golf immediately. But maybe it strips this thing down to the point that like the Tour has to change big time how they do their sport, right? And it has to maybe be a point where – so there's these strength of field clauses in television contracts and in the FedEx Cup in general that I believe are rooted in how many of the top – I don't know if it's 50, top 75, top 100, however many of the top blah, blah, blah players in the world leave the PGA Tour is what gives networks and sponsors uh, out clauses on their current contracts. So if enough people said another, if the field gets bad, the networks can get out. They can. And that is where the whole structure of the tour falls apart because they don't have the money that comes in from the, from the, (laughs) that's the army breaching the inner chamber. Correct. And then you are forced to change. And maybe that's like a painful ripping the bandaid off way off of, of getting into something that if it's not the premier golf league looks and sounds and smells like the premier golf league, that is uh, teams and a totally different format. And we see the start. We know exactly who's going to play 18 or so weeks out of the year. All the, all the reasons that make sense to consolidate the top level of pro golf. Maybe that's what we get out of this. And I know it, it in the public space, it is how far, uh, how easy it is to have been dunking on the PGL and what they've been going on, how different that is from the conversation that I believe is happening, uh, at the ground level that, 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 that gap is wide. It's very wide. And I think we've, uh, you know, I've done all we can to bring shine a light on that. Uh, and it's, it's not getting through to a lot of people. I'm not saying it's not without flaws, but uh, it seems like the, the best possible thing for me as a golf fan, I would think just as somebody that likes watching the sport, that's that going that path is the best hope out of this scenario. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know how much we, uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about the, the hot mic situation on the PJ tour this week, but there was like a, uh, I feel so like voyeuristic, even, <laughs> even talking about this, but Hey, they put it out there for it, you, it's buddy. It's so weird that it was out there, but there was like a Rory McIlroy on the range video that the PJ tour posted, which again is like, dude, you're bugging your own generals, man. And just like, <laughs> and just putting <laughs> the Intel out there, Cody, I, I'm not an army guy, but I assume that's a no, no. Uh, but they yes, they had a microphone like right next to Colt Nost and Rory McIlroy. I didn't even like see anybody posting about this. I don't know if anybody did, but there was a microphone close enough to those guys to like hear what they're talking about. And it was supposed to be just a fun like watch Rory warm up. But instead, it was like Rory talking about the Saudi stuff, and they're talking about broadcasters and who got paid and who <laughs> said no and who said yes. And Rory's like you know it's hard to make everything out, but the the one thing 
that I did hear him say on there is like, we need to sit down and figure out how to get all of this money inside the PJ tour rather than like, rather than fighting it off and trying to, uh, you know, fight off all these, these outside agencies, like work, work with whoever has all this money and get it inside the PJ tour. Like that's the only way forward, which I think is a very succinct kind of way to say it. I know that's overly simplified and there's, there's ways to go about that that are, are differing, but I don't know, man. I mean, that, that seems like the, the road ahead. To you, to to Cody and uh, and Randy here. I hope we're not putting to sleep by uh, by us ranting. Either questions you have or questions you think the audience has based on uh, uh, on this conversation to this point. I think this is a prime example of like the PGA Tour and their 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 high walls and the moat that protects them. That's going to come back and and bite them in the butt. Not only PGL, but I'm sure live or SGL, what it was previously referred to as, have all attempted to have meetings with the tour and wanted to attempt to play ball, whether it's directly with the PGA Tour, like that uh, PGL tried to do, or through the DP World Tour, which the SGL tried to do. And at some at some point in time, there's like the PGA Tour, it's... it's it's like a big Jenga game and like the pieces are starting to crumble. And unfortunately on the other side, like is this product that we're going to see any better or are we not the product anymore? What is the product? What do people care about right now? And I think that opens up a a whole interesting thing too, where, you know, what I'm almost looking forward to is like once, so there's going to be a bunch of legal ramifications of all of these, you know, releases being denied and players going anyways and all of that stuff, which I, you know, obviously will have to leave to someone much legally smarter than, than I am. But let's say that it goes through where, you know, some court rules that like the PJ tour can't decide when and where players play outside of the PJ tour. What happens with something like, like, I don't know if you guys saw tweets like going around about like the JP McManus pro-am. Yeah. Right, has like fucking a bunch of the top ten like players in the world. Strength of field and like half PGA Tour events. And what stops you know the people at Cabot Links from having an exhibition with you know five ten guys? What stops somebody you know Charles Schwab at Nenea to have five ten guys come out there? What stops some you know somebody in Texas from doing another one? Like there's almost like this secondary tertiary like fragmenting that can go on you know like from like like why doesn't amazon create an eight event totally series to be broadcast exclusively on amazon right it's just only prime members but sure (laughs) yeah and like dude that probably would be pretty damn entertaining like a league that's not set up by the people that this one is set up by that you know is going to prevent like that it's been said by a top players like Saudi is brand suicide, right? So no matter what, some of these guys are not going to go. So no matter what, we are not going to have the best players in the world consolidate there, right? That's another big reason to not be in on this, right? However, if it's a breakaway league that Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk is funding is a different conversation, a million percent, basically because of the possibility that all the best players could consolidate. There. But what I worry about in that scenario and what I'm starting to like worry about more and more is that it just be, it's not just that. It becomes you know, oh on uh, April 15th we've got a Saudi event and then on yes. April 30th we've got a Bezos event and then June 1st we've got a PJ Tour event and then over here in July we've got, you know, this yeah. big money classic whatever <laughs> that's going on. And then over here, you know what I mean? It just 
like that's when it just turns into boxing and it's like oh i don't know man there's there's 18 different world championship belts and nothing means anything except for the majors hopefully yep. Which will be interesting, like Kevin Noss saying, like, I'm, I'm no longer, I'm not even going to attempt to play a PGA Tour event. So yeah. I'm just going to play this live, ser- like, the live schedule and, I guess, majors and wait and see what their stance is on all of them. Like, USJ, you going to say anything next week about, like, all these people what? playing in London before, like, going to Brookline? Like what's where's the RNA gonna be at in all of this? And like, which is a whole know, other thing that. Well, and that, yeah, I'm glad Randy. you said that. I don't know if you're going to say a lot of this, but what triggered it was um, what is the product anymore? And I think one of my biggest frustrations with men's golf is by and large, I just don't find the actual golf that appealing anymore and uh, the style of play itself. And so I I just think there's been this void of leadership to maybe address, you know, God, you've had Jack and Tiger and, and, so many others talk about the ball, right? And rolling back the ball and what can they do with equipment to kind of make the the most talented golfers stand apart from the pack even mm-hmm. more. That's where it's like you bring in the RNA and the USGA and the and the and the tour itself and the PGA of America. And you just have all these bodies, but when when really important issues are at hand. It's I, I don't trust all of them to work together in an interest to further just the game of professional golf. So I I, I don't know. Here, here. I I'd think say, that is so well said. I'd say go back to 2018 podcasts that we've did with that we're like pointing this out of like, yo, there's like an equipment thing going here and an entertainment thing that's going wrong in golf. And like if you, you have a monopoly here and or you're not you don't have anyone challenging anything going on here. And we're not a lot of people were screaming that at the top of their lungs like yeah. we were back in the day. And now all of a sudden, like the threat is there. They're at they're outside the gates, which just goddamn like nothing makes me more frustrated than vividly, especially in 2017, 2018, just the smarmiest responses from people all across the golf industry. Whenever we'd put those podcasts up, the response was always, you guys will watch you got. Yeah, but you know, you love it. You'll watch from like. 15 different people at 15 different places. It's just like, dude, fuck you, man. <laughs> How are you missing the point? Like this has to start with the product at some point. Otherwise, like the whole house of cards falls apart. It has to. The counter side of it and like where I'm thinking at the whole time is, you know, the, the Arizona State kid, like from Spain, he's not going to get a ton of starts like on the challenge tour, European tour. Gets this, like, he's going to go play in some live events as an amateur still, and then prop more than likely next year, after he's done with his final year at Arizona State, will turn pro and play for a ton of monies. But he's getting guaranteed starts now. And I think that's where we always talked about, like, the biggest threat for them is, yeah, you got to get your superstars. But, like, you start targeting, like, the next generation that's coming up, like, that's where you're going to destroy what we know of the future of professional golf right now. And that's exactly what they're doing. As long as the world ranking stuff works out. True. Right? Because, like, you still have to be able to get into majors and all that stuff. And who knows, like, the world rankings is a whole other, you know, thing you could do a two-hour podcast about. But, like, the the power brokers of that are have a million conflicts of interest in all of this stuff. And who knows what levers they're going to pull. And, and that's where it gets super not fun because yeah. it's going to get settled in court. Yeah. Like, that is not going to be fun. Like, it's going to be dragged out forever. It's going to be a million different opinions about a million different things. And it's just not, 
it's not going to be a fun, dramatic reveal on these things. Right. Um, I, we, we're going long here. I do want to get to a couple of things that were, you know, did you guys see the, uh, the, the talking points that the fried egg tweeted out about the, that were sent out to players uh, to, to keep an eye out. I, I actually think like some of the key point, the key messages that were, that were kind of forced into uh, or, or, you know, kind of being pushed upon the players to communicate. I'm hard pressed to disagree with any of them. Uh, one being that we will unlock the sports untapped worldwide potential and grow the game's audience for the next generation. Huge, Randy. Randy, thank you for that, man. I think you should Huge. probably probably try to oh, do that. It's massive. Uh, the if role. There's of- one thing I think we can all agree on over the last ten years is I felt golf is too small. I go out to the golf course. I don't see enough people playing. It's too easy to get tee times. I'm playing too quickly. We need more people. The only thing I would build on that, Randy, is that the people who don't get enough credit for that that boom are are the very smart executives that really helped put people there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it had nothing to do with the pandemic. I think it had nothing to do with people being stuck inside and just basically forced to go play golf as the only recreational activity available. I think it was campaigns. I think it was organized, uh, organized tactics, places like the USGA, PGA of America. Uh, all those people, I feel like, really knocked it out of the park uh, and, and really built the game up to what it is now. Would you agree with that? Make golf your thing. A hundo P. Yeah. A hundo P. <laughs> the role of golf as an entertainment product is critical to the overall participation of the sport. And we are offering a healthy dose of innovation with a new format that has opportunity to engage existing audiences and attract new news ones uh, across a broader global footprint typo in the uh, talking points there. They're moving fast. I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Do I think like their way of getting there is going to be the best way, but no, but that's interesting. That's tweeted out by the the fried egg. If you want to, if you want to see that, but uh, Jerry Foltz leaving golf channel to go get that Saudi money. That was, that was a tough, that was tough news to hear there. But, um, do you guys feel differently about like media personalities going to do this versus players? I don't know. Yeah, they're they're the spokesmen for it, of course. Yeah, I. I man, it's a really, a really, really tough one, and it's one of those that like I feel very, very confident, and I'm not trying to virtue signal or or have moral high ground. Like if straight up, like if they offered us to go work for that, I very confident all of us would say no. So I feel pretty strong in my position of just like, yeah, I wouldn't like go carry their water, like that would not make me feel very good someone like jerry fultz who's worked really fucking hard very thanklessly covering the women's game doing an exceptional job covering it like a sport covering it like exactly the way that it it deserves to be covered has probably gotten woefully underpaid and underappreciated and look man if if that's his chance to cash in and and get you know get payback for a lot of the like really really hard work he he did it's it's hard to overlook that too so i i as a fan, I'm fucking bummed because I love watching Jerry Foltz, and I think he does an exceptional job. And I think he, the, the women's golf broadcast. I mean, we've we've talked about this a lot, but like, they don't have a lot of resources, man, and it feels very, very bare bones, and it relies so heavily on the talent of the talent, right? And and how good those on course reporters are, and Jerry's really freaking good, and uh, I'm very bummed he's he's not gonna be around. A horrible week to kind of have it all come out yes. too i mean he was in the pre-production calls for the u.s women's open it's the, the largest purse ever for women's yeah. professional golf and somebody that he was expected to be here on the live broadcast the entire week and for this to kind of come and i, I wouldn't want to say like overshadowed the event but definitely was a vein through this week's activities like it sucks man especially like i know that's the last thing that jerry ever wanted but these are real life reactions to the decisions that you make like welcome to it it's not like jim nance who carries the water for cbs sports 
and we can complain to him and he can say that you don't know the difference between contracts or hard cameras or soft cameras or anything else, Jerry's going to work directly for this organization. Like there, there is no middleman. Yeah. It's well said. Randy, how do you feel as, as someone who probably watches the most women's golf? Not that he only yeah. does women's golf. I mean, he does golf channel stuff too, but yeah, he would do corn fairy and whatnot. Uh, no, it stinks. You know, um, I think he's been at it like over 20 years. It's just, you lose a ton of institutional knowledge, uh, professionalism. Like you said, um, it's, it's a shame. I, but I've heard, you know, let's say he's making significantly more money and working like less than half the time. It's uh, who, who's going to say no to that, yeah. you know? Well, yeah. What, would we say no to that? Cause I was, I was challenged <laughs> with that on, on Twitter this week when I was asked if, you know, if you guys were offered $30 million from live, would you Name take your it? price? And I said, absolutely fucking not. And I had a bunch of people try to call me out and say, yes, you would. Yes, you would. Which, oh, is the sickest which is burn. A fair, which is a good point. It's the sickest burn because it's actually a reflection of you more than it is more than it is us. <laughs> no, we would definitely take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, I don't, I don't have a oh, soul. People I like you and it. me would definitely do it. I guess I, I have to, we have to explain. Again, that might be the disconnect between people who listen to this show two hours in and, uh, and Twitter. But like, if I have to explain like how the authenticity of like what we say on this podcast is the whole value of it and how, how fast that goes when you take Saudi money. Uh, if I have to explain that, then we're probably just not vibing on the same wavelength, but <laughs> not only that, or like, okay, real quick from that outsider's point of view, who you guys graciously welcome me onto the team, but like the fact you, you, this is a completely independent, like media organization. Like you're not tied to anybody else, like any other big podcast or anything else. You don't answer to anyone. <laughs> So we why would like we think. <laughs> we're we're not chasing the bag like anywhere else? Why why would people you know, think yeah. like? Oh, Let me just yeah. put it this way: Do you know how easy it would be to make so much more money than we make sure. <laughs> right now? For sure, like, it would be so easy. It would be so easy, and and <laughs> yeah, it, like don't 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 tempt us, guys. Don't tempt <laughs> us. Plus, you want to you know about fifteen more ads in this podcast. <laughs> I, say, I do have a number, so if anybody from Golf <laughs> Saudi is listening, I. Um, do you guys want to get get to any questions, or are we about about wrapped? I think this is this is close there to a two record questions. Point. Two questions, yeah. Uh, sure. For burn, Randy, burner of edges. So is Bryson fully out of the live crew? It seemed like his name was all over the rumors a few months back, and now he's almost never mentioned. I think there's a second uh, wave. I think yeah, I would wave. say uh, you were saying there's a delta variant. There's a delta variant reass- coming. Reassess next January. I I would put Bryson. How I think of him, I would put him in that category. Safe for this year, but who knows long-term. Reading between the lines a little bit on some of Bryson's recent quotes, it seems like uh, you know, being being hated has taken a big toll on on the big golfer. He seems he seems very aware of like man, yeah. people are people are not vibing on me the last couple of years. Yet and, he is a YouTube content creator. Like exactly. Would be It'd be a, a great, seamless transition. Great fit for him. Uh but yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder how much of that Played in here. Uh, B-Tonk 3, with all the upfront money being paid to these guys just to play the Live Series, wh- where is their motivation to actually play good golf? I'm under no illusions that spectacular golf was going to be played, but DJ already has double his career earnings before he hits a shot. Let me add a wrinkle to that, which is have heard from multiple sources now, unconfirmed, but have heard it from multiple people that a lot of these guys are basically getting advances. I can't confirm that anywhere, but it, but I think it's different it's been floated yeah. person to person. Yeah. Even like, I think some of it has been, 
yes, we'll give you X amount of guaranteed millions of dollars. And then you'll, all of your earnings on top of that are gravy on top of that. Like go knock yourself out, play well and make as much as you can. And I've heard from some guys, it's, it's a true like advance. If we'll give you $10 million and until you make $10 million on the golf course, you're not going to start earning more money on the golf course. So I, I think, again, we can't confirm kind of how that shakes out, but if that's out there, I, th- I think that, you know, that makes the whole conversation very interesting. However, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but last thing on that, if there's a second wave of guys playing, who knows what's going to happen with the PJ tour. If you end up like getting banned again, it seems unlikely, but there, there's a, a possibility that a lot of these guys are operating within a pretty fucking small window. And that's the other part of this whole conversation that gets fairly overlooked is right now there's what 250, 200 guys that, that play regularly on the PJ tour. We're talking about a quarter of that, like cutting that down. You, you know, these guys that like to talk about capital P capital O playing opportunities, those are disappearing very, very quickly. If this is the route that you choose to go. And if you don't play well, you're going to be out on your ass very, very quickly. And so yeah. the earning potential for a lot of these guys is probably pretty limited to, you know, it might be one season, yeah. right? And so uh, to that question of like, is the motivation there? I, if, man, if I was them, I would, <laughs> hot take. If I was them, I'd try to earn try. as much money as I could. Uh, it, it sounds like B-Tonk 3 has never been a salary employee in his life. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's Brandon Tonkovich. It's our guy from Bandon. He was, I play golf with Brandon. You're supposed to like show up and like do your best. <laughs> and if you don't, man, like you kind of get shit canned. It's not like DJ's the most personal dude ever. He's not like, you know, bringing dudes in and like, I don't know, hosting a bunch that I would say like a Phil. And when we get to that point would be like, I'm sure he's, you know, Phil loves hamming it up with everybody. Like, I just don't see DJ out there, like, you know, rounding the troops up and being like, all right, guys, let's go, you know, meet these 20 shakes down the road because we got to keep them happy. Yeah. Last question uh, from David Easton, 15. Will you guys be discussing live golf results on the pod? Once the events start, you usually cover golf events from other tours in the roundup. So we'll, these events slash players get a mention or are they off limits? Uh, big shout out to Eamon Lynch uh, for his line of, you know, our journalists only supposed to cover wars that they agree with, uh, <laughs> which I think is a pretty, a pretty good summation of, of how I feel about this. Like, yeah, if some of the world's best, if Dustin Johnson is like playing at a golf tournament, I think it's fairly relevant. I think it's hard to take it serious as a yes, golf competition totally. initially. It, that may change. And that's where I'm like, I don't think we need to get, Whatever we'll see It'll how it be goes. Saudi dick riders. At that yeah, point. hopefully uh, we're still waiting for the number to come in. But the, <laughs> you know, if uh, maybe not a birdies and bogeys conversation, right. like oh, how'd you what'd you think of Pumpkin Ridge? Let's really break shot. down the yeah. strategy of the fourteenth hole. But I think from a like it's it's the wildest, weirdest, most significant thing that's happened to pro golf in I don't know thirty years since the last time it tried to happen. So like that <laughs> seems like a bear's mention. I think, listen, we've just spent uh, 65 minutes talking about it. I think we're going to mention the, the leaderboard <laughs> after the first event. Which was 65 more minutes more than Randy wanted to do. So I think we're going we're gonna to get him out of here and let him get to, get to his movie tonight. But uh, anything else you guys have before we wrap? How could you possibly have anything more to say? Yeah, nothing. Thanks for indulging me. It's, a, it's, it's been great. It's a therapeutic topic. It's, been, uh, it, it's not been great. It's, it's exhausting. I'm ready to, to go to it's, bed. I, I'll say it's interesting, right? It is. It's it's if nothing else, it's interesting. All, talking to you guys is interesting and fun about it. Like dealing with it online week to week has not been fun. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's that's what I think the hardest part about this whole thing is. And I I said this earlier, I know, but like you can't 
have the conversation about it. Like it would be very, it'd be much easier to like be in a bar and be like, yo, you hear about the Saudi thing? Like, fuck that. I'm against it. Case closed. But like, it's so not that simple. And you dive into one finger of this thing and it's a, it's a 45 minute conversation. And then there's another finger. That's a two hour conversation. And like, that's what we've been doing for two years now. And it's still hard to, it's still hard to like organize your thoughts and even get it all out. So, Will you guys be watching the plumbers and firemen on Thursday? I'll fire it up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to be flying up to, to Grand Rapids anyway for an awesome event with the no laying up crew. So might as well. Excellent event this weekend, by the way, with uh, the, the thirst bucket at, uh, at the mines in Grand Rapids with the fried egg crew, a, a collab event, DM to collab. Very, very, very much looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing so, you I'm guys. Just, I, I, you know, it's always a big uh, occasion when I get invited onto the the main pod. But there's two things that I can't believe you didn't cover, and that's the match. And number two, Brooks's wedding. Man, they had Ludacris. Ludacris there. was there. Yeah, we're gonna do a special episode on that later this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a sick. I'm, I'm not a big Brooks guy, but that's a sick move. Luda killed it for about eight years there. He's got a lot of hits. That'd be he's a perfect wedding. It's true triple threat. Yeah, also out there acting, so. music you know, others. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it at that. Uh, uh, Thank you everyone for listening for this long. Thank you guys for being here tonight and uh, we'll see you back here this time next week. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect